This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up? Real MVPs, Ricky Winmer here, along with a full house for the first time here on the Primetime Podcast post Brandon Swanson. We have, I'm joined as I have been for the last couple weeks, Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And now, Sean, making his first appearance back on the PTP. I don't think Full House really works for this. Like, three of a kind, maybe, but like, Ooh. Full House. Full House has to be five? Yeah, it needs to be five. I okay. mean, we're, we could be three, you know, we're not aces, we're definitely not aces. We could be like three, <laughs> eight, and, ooh, eight, three, Yeah, so eight's kind of high. We, we could be three twos, um, but we, then we need the other two. We can't be three threes? I think that's overselling us. Really? Because that's really? a total value of nine. And then, like, if you combined, I think we could be at nine, Sean. <laughs> hey, well, confidence. Me and you, maybe. Oh no! Oh, no. A five, Are you a kidding me? This, this man's chari- this he's, man's got charisma for days. He's dragging us down. No, he's got charisma for days. In that beard game, what is up? I well, can't. Dave look, can't grow. Look, look at that. If you shave the mustache, you'd be a leprechaun. If you yeah, can buy, I'm not gonna shave. I'm gonna shave the mustache. Every the mustache <laughs> brings it all together. Every it time really, I it really ties the room together. Every time I see that, like every time you say that, I see it and I just can't help but laugh. <laughs> if I shave one part of this, it all goes. No, shave the head. Well, no, no, no. I'm talking this. beard game, Dave. Like if I shave the stash, the beard is also going. Mm. If I shave the beard, the mustache is definitely also <laughs> going. Honestly, I think you're better without the beard. Because I have done that, by the way. I've shaved the beard and kept the mustache, yeah, and it's not a pretty sight. No, it's not. Like, I, it is not. I, like, I, 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 I used I'm to aware. have that picture on my phone, I would, and it, it scared me <laughs> I would be afraid of myself if I saw myself with just a mustache You wouldn't be allowed the in 100 yards of I school like not, that. Yeah, I wouldn't be allowed to do what I do every day and teach children um, if I had just a mustache. But <laughs> you ever had a parent-teacher conference, and then they walk in and be like, "Oh, my son can't go here anymore." Luckily not. Or but no. that's because I've never had. He's just never the had mustache. just the mustache. So, oh, I didn't say even with the beard. Oh shit! This is the primetime podcast where is we're it? talking college basketball, college football, but really, right now, we're in draft mode. Um, getting ready for the NBA draft. And that's all we're going to have today for you guys. NBA draft topics. We're going to look at the potential steals um, for us in the 2019. NBA draft. We're going to look at also Cam Reddish, his best fits in the NBA, and then round things out, taking a look at Keldon Johnson of should he stay or should he go and come back to Kentucky. As the five of the group, I think I'm going to call an audible. We're talking strictly college baseball tournament. I Three I have, topics. I have brought that up you numerous know? weeks. Omaha, am I right, guys? What a place. I have brought college baseball in numerous weeks, and Brandon would always say, no, we're not talking college baseball. For a good reason. I'd be down for it. No. But this is where you guys also, uh, before we get into it, this is where you guys come in to help us out, patreon.com backslash most foul podcast. We have decided, well, really, we kind of eyeballed it. 10 by 12 is the room that we're in. It's a little tiny box that we record into, and we want to get a bigger space you can help us get a new one by going to patreon.com backslash podcast. Help support us. Make sure we can do bigger and better content for you in the future and get rewarded by being at our bronze, silver, and gold level. Just for a dollar, you can get access to our Discord server and talk to us really whenever you want. To have that access to us for as low as a dollar. So go check that out down below in the description. But guys, let's get into it. I'll kick it off to whoever wants to go first of... Who for you is a potential steal in this draft, or do we have to define what a steal is? I think defining a steal is pretty important. Yeah, I mean, right now you got Tankathon pulled up. Mm -hmm. Tankathon puts it into tiers. So I think really it's like 
who who are you getting at that prime value? Are you getting him, you know, if if he's a top 30 guy, but the NBA has him ranked as a top 50, and you get him at, like, you know, 50, but you think him as a top 30 guy, that's a complete steal. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. You know, I think... Like a Draymond Green in the second round. Or a Karis LeVert. I think Karis Absolutely. LeVert was a huge one. Karis, getting Karis LeVert at 22. Top 10 talent, 100%. Was, was a massive steal uh, for the Nets, because they probably had, like, a top 15 grade on him, at least top 12 grade on mm-hmm. him, um, and the only thing that was holding them back was injuries. So you can yeah. kind of look at those guys that are kind of being undervalued. Um, you could argue that Luka Doncic was a steal at three, um, mm-hmm. just because. In I mean, at least he was in his own tier right here. Yeah, I mean, I he mean, was. Igor wanted him at one, and and now he lost no longer coach. because he didn't get him. Yeah, but I mean, like you know, he was number one tier for us. Yeah, and you know, same with Dave Yeager at, at three. <laughs> same with Dave Yeager. <laughs> that is a, that's that's the number one right there. So I, I mean, like you can get steals in any part of the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and I think I kind of mapped it out that way. Um. At least looking at this, I think the the biggest steal that I could I think that could be out there, especially for top ten teams, uh, would be Goga Batazde. If you watched the, our last live Lotto mock mm-hmm. mock Lotto, um, I think that's what we called it. Um, Run with it, baby. L M L L M L D. Our live <laughs> mock Lotto, live mock Lotto draft. Um, I had Goga going nine to the Hawks. Okay. And to me, that wouldn't be a steal because I have him as a top ten prospect. But yeah. I feel like he might fall. To that 15 to 22, even mm-hmm. 25 range, where I've had him t- typically in my mocks because I'm trying to think of where he will go. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So if NBA teams realize his potential and realize his talent, he's going to probably go in that top 10. But if a team, let's say just the Boston Celtics at 14, if they mm-hmm. get him at 14, I think that's an absolute steal. Mm-hmm. Um, another guy I think like that is Naz Reed. I think he's completely getting slept on. <laughs> wow. Shockingly. Wow. Um, wow. Sean and Naz Reed. And I think of the the, the, let's say the, Sean's mind. the Thunder. Get Naz Reed at, at 22, mm-hmm. um, which I think they're currently picking at, at 22 right now. Um, that would be an absolute steal as well. So those are two of those guys where at least you know I think the talent is absolutely there. And 21, but yes, 21. And I, and even even that, I, I think he's a top 15 talent. If you get him at 21, I think that's an absolute steal. Wow. Um, what? I'm 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 stunned by like the, the the seriousness of that actually because I I'm concerned with the kid's motor and I think that mm-hmm. that's a lot. I mean, he is offensively gifted, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But motor problems are something that seem to haunt players' careers, and it's it's a large hill to get over. So, And 100%, and you're not wrong. I mean, you look at Marvin Bagley, and the reason why he's most likely going to succeed in the NBA oh. is because of his motor. You look yeah. at uh, you know, Zion Williamson, and we just had a comment recently. The mm-hmm. reason why Zion's going to succeed in the NBA is because of his motor, which is absolutely true. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Butler, the reason why he's currently a top 20 player in the NBA, you could argue top 15, Jimmy would argue top 10, um, yeah. Is because of his motor, because of his desire to get better. The man um, plays out of spite. Yeah. He lives, breathes, and eats spite. And I think you can look I respect at, that. obviously, guys like Julio Okafor, where that motor wasn't always there, top three talent, but that motor wasn't there. I think if you're getting yeah. him, though, at 22 or in that 20 to 25 range, yeah. that is because people see that motor and are turned off by it. But the talent is absolutely there, and people are motivated by different things. Yeah. You know, Naz Reed could be a person that is like, hey, I'm going to make money in the NBA that is going to be my motivation because I want to, you know, make my career so successful. Yeah. Um, so maybe playing for LSU, where he may or may not be getting money, uh, <laughs> whatever Will Wade was uh, passing out, uh, you know, at the lunch table. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if he, he was getting that 10K that uh, DeAndre, DeAndre Ayton, Ayton was deal? getting. Per month. Which, by the way, <laughs> not, Jay, not a bad deal. On Jacoby and Jalen Jacoby, yeah. Jalen came out and he says, 
That's kind of low. That's kind of a deal for Arizona getting uh, <laughs> He's not wrong. for only ten thousand a month. But you know, obviously, if Nazareth steps into the NBA, mm-hmm. uh, he's most likely going to be getting you know Million. uh, millions. Yeah. Uh, so I think if if he's motivated by money or if he's motivated by mm-hmm. being next to these high level talent players like Russell Westbrook and Paul George, just using OKC as a as a uh, example here, I think that could propel that motor to to get up. And also, I think. A big part of Naz Reed's success is when he's involved in the offense. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to a place like you know OKC where yeah. Russell Westbrook is spreading the ball around, that could keep him engaged and locked in. So I think the talent is there where he is a top 15 player. And the, and the weaknesses obviously are holding them back. But we could be looking back on this draft five years from now and being like, wow, Naz Reed at 22 or 21 was an absolute steal. It's fair. That's fair. The, the one that I was thinking about was the first guy you said mm-hmm. in Goga. Or and, Gorga, or as Gorga, like to say. As sometimes I like to yeah. say. Um, what I was thinking ever since you said his name was, you look at our, our big board, mm-hmm. and the one that we did. Yeah. If we do what you want to do for the next one, which we'll probably do and have a cumulative big board. Consensus. We would have had him all at 14. So mm-hmm. he would have been probably at 14 for us on that cumulative, depending on where if anyone else jumped ahead of him. And I look at our last mocks where Dave and I didn't have him in the um, live mock that we did. And for me personally, if I go back to the 5.0 then, for me, based on where we had him in the big board and where I had him in my mock, he would definitely be a steal because I had him go, what, 29 to the Spurs? Yeah. I had him as my 14th ranked prospect in a big board. And that's to me with the center position Mm -hmm. why – he could be seen as a steal because the Celtics, who you mentioned, have so many picks. What if they go Jackson Hayes instead? And that opens the door for a team below 14 mm-hmm. to get Goga Batazde. Yeah, and I think, again, that just opens up that door for an absolute steal. And I think we've seen this you know, pretty consistently in the NBA that these guys are getting slept on that are international prospects. Obviously, yeah. that's not always the case. Um, you look at Kristaps Porzingis, people thought that was a complete reach. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, until Kristaps didn't step on the floor, he proved that wrong. Yeah. Um, and obviously, it's been it's been troubling for him to stay on the floor um, because of because of injuries. Um, but you look at Dragon Bender. I mean, he was coming into that that draft pretty much a top five player in most big boards, consensus yeah. big board. He fell to eight. Um, so I mean. Or, or, no, he felt that he stuck at four. He was uh, four. Chris yeah, was eight, my he bad. went four. They yeah, Marquise Chris. But, but we, we've seen some like international prospects usually don't have this consistent, you know, spot. Like we can obviously look at most of these college players and then rank them pretty, pretty like yeah, consistently. College is so easy to work with because mm-hmm. you it's it's one level of play. Almost, I know I know there's different divisions as far as like SEC versus ACC and shit like yeah. that. But like you you still understand what the standard is and like what the constant. International play because they play in multiple leagues in multiple periods of time against such a vast diversity of players. It is harder to scale that against you know what is the equivalent in America. Yeah, and I, I just want to stick into the drafts that I've covered and and just using the two guys that really stick out to me. Like mm-hmm. you look at Luca, and I think that he was clearly undervalued as an international prospect. Yeah, the, what he did overseas was not taken into consideration enough. And yes, he didn't have that top level athleticism, but clearly we saw this year that. He's just the he was the most talented basketball player on, in in on, in the rookie class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was clear um, that whole year that he was the most talented. Um, and then you look at you know uh, when you look at reaches, Georgia's Papagiannis. We we, yes. we did a, a full 
30 pick. Yeah, we did a full two round. It was in the second round for you. We did a full second round. That was the one where you had the second round on your article on the website at the time. He was the second second round. He he went 12. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you don't know where the NBA is going to slot these Mm -hmm. prospects in because it just takes one team to reach on them and it just takes, takes, you know, seven teams to miss on a guy. Um, so I, I think that's the thing is just, you know, it's easier for us to get a feel on where the NBA is going to go mm-hmm. with NBA prospects. There hasn't been really too many shocks, I think, um, for us when it comes to players getting taken too high, mm-hmm. um, when it comes to at least college prospects in the, in the NBA draft for the past three years. But the biggest shocks have come um, at least from international prospects. So that's why I think Goga is just a real mystery, because if he falls way out, I mean, you know, we're talking 19 to 25 range. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolute seal. Right Which, there. I mean, he could. And the thing that I think of internationally, and this is going kind of in the way back machine, Mm -hmm. it didn't end up being a steal, but I think the last international player I remember from, like, my childhood that many thought was going to be a steal was Darko at two. And that was one where it's like, LeBron was going to be number one, but there were people in that draft going, like, falling in love with Darko going into the draft, and that's the reason he went at two, where people thought if LeBron wasn't in that draft... Darko would have been the top pick Yikes. in the 03 draft. If if LeBron wasn't in that draft class, I could see Darko going mm-hmm. number one. He was he was a complete player at the time. What what people had seen out of him, and again, we were pretty much yeah, teenagers at that we were point. Thirteen at the yep. time. Ooh, I was a, I was a cool <laughs> six years old. Wow. Nailed it. Nope, I was five because that draft happened in June. So I was a six five years old. Dope. Um, I, was in, I was in kindergarten. Yeah. So Dave, Dave was close to being a uh, fourteen-year-old yeah, at that time. I was getting there. <laughs> um, but you know, I, from what I remember, it was like, oh, it's like that mm-hmm. guy plays against grown men. He looks like a grown man. He physically was, you know, built yeah. already. So it yeah. was like this guy's a, 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 a already finished product, like going into the draft. Almost. Yeah, he became a mixed martial artist too after his <laughs> basketball career. <laughs> yeah, which is awesome. I mean, and he was the first out of that class to get a ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I don't think that matters. Some but, say. I mean, and, and, and Some would say Darko Milicic. It's ridiculous looking back now, but I was even looking back at past drafts too. Mm-hmm. And there's just there's guys where you're just like, how are they ranked at this at this yeah. level? I mean, you look back and there's some horrible ones like Anthony Bennett going over Victor Oladipo. Yeah. Like that's just bad. Or the, the top six was, in the class was on. just you could literally like shake your oh, fucking yeah. bingo yeah, thing and like roll and like that name's number one. Well, that was a and, shock. That was probably the most recent like. I know Papa Giannis was a shock, but like yeah. because it was number one, I remember watching that draft going, "Wait, what?" Like Anthony Bennett? Like I didn't think he showed number one pick at all this year. Mm-hmm. Um, like that was one where I like literally dropped my jaw and went, "Huh?" Yeah, and kind of cocked my head. Dave, who's the guy that you have as a sleeper? This is a bold one. Or not sleeper, steal. I'm going to do that so many times. We're talking steals, not sleepers. So this guy is someone who I wanted to hate for three-fourths of this year. Mm -hmm. And that is Jonte Porter. Okay. He's a man who hurt, and he had such a good stroke from the outside. And I know the injury, and I know the family of injuries. And I know (laughs) they just cursed. Indian burial ground curse, especially with ACLs. Can't. I love how it took you a month to go from this guy might be overrated to this guy is now <laughs> underrated after tearing his ACL for the second time. Well, people are saying he's going to go like mid-second round if he comes out. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think the value there is awesome because if you look at come on, last year he was going to be what pick twenty-five, and mm-hmm. this year is a worst draft class. But we had a lotto at some point. Yeah, and this year is a year. worst draft class yeah. mm-hmm. quality-wise. We're saying depth-wise, uh, top end different story but like 
I don't know. I, I think that his his offensive skill set is unique enough that I would absolutely take a swipe on him at the end of the first round, 100% knowing that Oof. there's a chance that he may not ever get back healthy. But if you're at the end of the first round, it is a fucking, like, I, it, it is dart to the board. You're, you know, yes, you've, you've scouted these guys through and through, but, mm-hmm. like, the, the success rate for those late first-round picks is fairly low. So if you take someone who has the basketball skill that he has, has the coaching that has been uh, bestowed upon him, basically his father was a coach his entire life. He has a fairly good basketball IQ. His brother, excellent player, obviously yeah. back injuries, murdered mm-hmm. that you know college career. But I look at him and I'm going like, yeah, he's not going to play the first year. Like, maybe. So what? Like, these guys aren't, you know, this isn't who's the best rookie of it, the year. This is who's going to be the best pro it, yeah. for your team down the line. It, it doesn't worry you, though, that when he was trying to come back from an ACL injury that he just tore it again. It, it terrifies me. So, I mean, like, that's the thing is, like, but, I, I look at it and I think you're making a good argument. But with a second-round pick? I, like, I, I think, think a late one. one. I, think I think a late no, one. No, that's but ridiculous. if he goes in the, like, Tankathon has him at 39. If he goes 39-40, yeah. like, if you're a team that can... Throw a well, dart at a board, like then I could see maybe potential. No, I was trying to build up the case, and my bad, Dave. No, I was trying to build up the case because you just look at at least thirty-one through forty. Yep. Mm-hmm. The Nets could take a shot at him at thirty-one because they have two picks already yeah. in the in the first round. That would be a team that I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. You think he's a first-round value, yeah. and clearly he fell to the second round for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. You could take a shot there, but the Suns, no way would I take him with that second pick because you need players that can play. You need players that can help <laughs> that Suns. roster. You, you don't need players that can play. When do they need players that can play? But let's let's say they get Zion Williamson. You're going to need players that can step out on the floor and help your okay. team in some way. If you're looking for spacing, does he not provide great spacing? If he's not, healthy, not year one. If he's healthy, and, and, and you're not winning never. shit year one. Okay, but is he ever going well, to help you win shit? You I can think, take yeah, a player that thing. might have a lower upside, one hundred percent. But you can at least take a player that might give you five years. Look, or send, it might even give you eighty-two games. Send him to Germany. Get that Kobe shit injected. Like, <laughs> Kobe, did Kobe tear his ACL? No, no, I, it did he wasn't tear it twice. Issue. He tore. There's it. no magical cure Achilles for spots, yeah. but that ended his career. Yeah, there's no, there's no magical cure for tearing your ACL. Twice. I mean, you could be Adrian Peterson. He tore it once. Yeah, but he came back and was a monster. <laughs> yeah, but that was one time. Jonte tried the to do that and then broke it again. Just, just fucked it up again. Like that's the thing. I, is like I look at Philadelphia, two second round picks, yeah. and they already have a first round pick. Mm-hmm. That would be a team that makes sense too. But like the Bulls, you know, they need guys out there. Yeah. You can't throw Jakar Sampson out there again. You can't Please throw no. Wayne Selden Jr. out there. Uh, High Tower. You, you can't throw High Tower. You can't throw out. Uh, or Who? I'm sorry, Hayward. Yeah, yeah Hayward Highsmith. Hayward Highsmith for for the Sixers. You need guys that can go out there and play. Like the Sixers need to replenish their depth too. I mean, that's even a team. You know, even that's, talking about that's it. Like, team. I would I, not take. I don't with. like. There's all these teams where it's like the Kings need to help their depth. Mm-hmm. New Orleans, if they're trading away Anthony Davis, I think you need to just get guys that you might be able to hit. And Jonte, there's too much of a question mark. That's why you know 42 for the Sixers. That would make sense because they got like 14. That's right, I forgot picks. they do have a billion of them. Um, the Kings have a second one too. Like I, I would be looking at guys or teams that have. Multiple second, Multiple second rounders, rounders to take that shot, yeah. or teams like I let's think, see Boston at fifty-one. That makes sense too because they have already four. Yeah, I think first you're rounders. so low on him. The, if I'm not low on his talent, I'm the, lo- like, the percentage chance that he plays a game in the NBA is what? I mean, are plays you, are a you game, pre- plays a game? Yeah, seventy-five percent. All right. So, what are the odds that he makes it to you know through his first contract? You know, without re injuring his. No, I'm knee. just saying. Like, do you think he'll get a second contract in the NBA? Do you think he's a guy who, due to injuries and circumstances, mm-hmm. he will wash say, out? Because I would, 
put I, it at like 40% that he does not make it to a second contract. Here's That's fine. Like look at the guys from 2010 who got drafted in the 20 through 30 and like mm-hmm. 30 through 40 range. How many of those guys made a second what, contract? What, and that's what I'm saying. And like, what I'll make an argument for and then Ricky jumps in is like okay, you look, at, look at Dewan Blair. Yeah. Dewan Blair mm-hmm. had no knees. Yeah. And, and and he came out of the gates like gangbusters for the Spurs. First two years was great and phenomenal. Showed that talent. And then he just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. And that's my worry for for Jonte Porter. It's not the talent. It's just the fact that you might be wasting your pick to help your depth because, mm-hmm. yes, this guy does have this you know high ceiling. This guy does have everything that you want in a five in the modern NBA. Yeah. But if he cannot step out on the floor, that is just immediately going to you know ruin that pick. Where if you can get a guy like uh, Iggy Brasdikas, who, who Ricky likes, that's a guy that might not have that higher ceiling mm-hmm. like Jonte does, but he has health on his side, which is such a major point. And we always say the best ability is availability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing I want to throw out is with when it comes to Jonte, <laughs> what does he need to do to be a steal? Because just by saying he's a steal yeah. doesn't mean he's going to be, oh, starting lineup mm-hmm. no, uh, the I, second contract. Like for yeah. you, since he's your steal, Dave, in order to say he's a steal, let's say by the end of his co- first contract, what does he need to do in the NBA? Just be healthy? Does he actually have to fit a role for like a specific I mean, role for a he can, team? He can be a stretch five off the bench and mm-hmm. give you, you know, like eighteen minutes a night and give you, you know, ten points and like six boards. Like I think that out of a second mm-hmm. round pick is pretty fucking good. And I think that the the points he's going to get are going to be, you know, like fifty fifty. Brooke Lopez esque. You know, you're going to be looking behind the arc, mm-hmm. or he'll have a little bit of a low post game where he can back someone down. But like. Honestly, it's you want his shooting touch. You want that for a second unit is so unique because you have so many guys in second unit who can't create shots for themselves. So when they're just it, it's point guards, a lot of them who just have to drive into the lane and they toss it up there. When you have that extra spacing from have your center being able to be mobile out on the side mm-hmm. or even flexible where he can play as a four maybe if he gets his weight down. I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for him going forward and. Go ahead, Sean. I, I know where you're going well, with this. And here's the thing is what I was going to throw out, and Dave can see it because obviously I'm Googling. Um, I, I could see him being like a Frank Kaminsky player. Yeah. The reason why Frank Kaminsky is a bust is because he went 13 overall or 12 yeah. overall or whatever he went. I think it was like he was he – was How many first rounds did Danny Ainge want to give? Um, uh... Ninth overall. <laughs> um, I mean, Frank Kaminsky was, was a reach at that point going mm-hmm. ninth overall in the 2015 draft. Um, but if he goes out, Jonte Porter goes out and has a similar career, yeah. like like um, Frank Kaminsky, who gives you nine point eight off the bench and and four boards and one and a half assists and you know a half a block, a half a steals and shoots thirty five percent from three. That's a very good three value times for a him. game. And yeah, is, that's it, and is able to be out there like that would be the biggest thing for Jonte if he's able to just put points on the board for you, move the ball and isn't a, a negative for your team. Yeah. And you get him in the second round, then yeah, that he can be a steal. But it's just the fact that can he play enough right. to warrant that steal label for me it's just it's perspective about knowing the hit rate from second rounders and late ones and i think we always every every year we try to be as optimistic about these guys chances making it big in the nba Mm -hmm. but you have to be realistic about the amount of washout from like Mm -hmm. you know four guys in the second round from this class maybe in the nba in five years maybe four yeah like it is such astronomical odds you know it's the best 400 500 players who can play basketball or in the NBA. It's such an elite club that even mm-hmm. if you're not good enough for that, yes, you can go play in Europe, be fine. Go play in China, kill it. But, like, I, I don't want to say anything bad about other players in this class, but I don't know anyone in the second round who has the same level of potential as he does and offers a team the unique po- possibilities of a uh, floor-spacing five like when with his pedigree. When he's healthy, like Sean said, we were he was starting to creep up 
into lottery range. Yeah, of like, freshman, yeah. That's what he was going with. And yeah. to me, the one thing, this is the one team that I feel if they get him in the second round or go to draft him because they could even trade their pick because they've got so many in the first, mm-hmm. if by some reason he falls to 51 and the Boston Celtics go, yeah, I know we took like a Goga or a um, Jackson Hayes in the first, but let's let's – Throw the dart at this kid. Let's. Oh yeah, he can team sit a year. Should. Like we've got the depth. Like he can sit a year, and if he comes out and does exactly what Dave said, like stretch five off the bench and gives me ten points and six boards a game as a Celtic fan, I'll take that I, after year one. I always thought his pro comparison would be a very you know a diet version of John Tape, uh, not of a uh, John Tape Porter. Kelly Olynyk. Oh Al Horford. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Or, or Kelly Olynyk's a good one too. I, I just think that he can. Because he's a decent defender. He's he's very slow, but he, I think he puts himself in good positioning. And yeah. that was the reason why I was creeping up was because he wasn't this crazy athlete like his brother is. Yeah, um, no, his cone drill was god-awful. Yeah, super thin, super lanky, great shooter. You know, mm-hmm. Can attack the bucket like, uh, you yeah. know, MPJ is a different athlete than Jante. Yeah. Um, but Jante is just, a, he was very, you know, even as a freshman, he was just very consistent out there. And he wasn't making young player mistakes. And that was just something where you look at it and it's just like, that just gives you immediate value as a five because mm-hmm. you immediately look at these guys and it's just like, oh, well, they can dunk and they can protect the rim. They're going to get in foul trouble and they can't shoot free throws. Well, you know, Jante Porter can put himself in good positioning. And I kind of think it's like Jokic as well. Like, I mean, you look at Jokic, Jokic isn't a great defender like a Joel Embiid yeah. where he's going to stuff every shot. He's going to be a physical presence out there. He's going to be a vocal leader. Jokic is just going to put himself in the best positions to force turnovers, start the fast break, um, and, and get, get his team running and just try to disrupt the other team's yeah. uh, you know, offense. And, yes, that might not be defensive player of the year level, but he's a, a fine defender. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where Jante would sit is he can put himself in the right positions to make plays at the rim and contest shots, maybe not be a great shot blocker, um, but just be a guy that can be a, a consistent player out there, not get run off the floor, mm-hmm. um, at least defensively. So I think, and, and great job, guys. Shout out to uh, shout out to that message. Um, but I, I think Jonte is just so worrying because of that two ACL tears. Because at this point, when we when he gets taken, mm-hmm. and then we finally see him play basketball, it'll be a full two years. I mean, but to be much. fair, he also was young for his class. Remember last year, yeah, he reclassified. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I'm not worried about it's, the age. I think you no, got it's not time. the age. It's the fact that oh. you ha- he hasn't played basketball in yeah. two years. No, so that's and, fair. if you're worried about weight issues, then what about you know not? Well, working I mean, the, out and the not agility the was level. his like uh, Achilles' heel, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like man, if this guy, if this kid could move, he mm-hmm. would be elite talent. And that's he went back to try to hit that top ten yeah. of this class. Um, and I think he had the talent to get there had he not been injured twice. But the thing is, is I just worry about like Harry what, Giles, man. What would he? I root for Harry Giles. I will root for Jonte Porter he had at this point. Two knee injuries he had, in each knee. Yeah, that mm. man. We need get get Jonte Porter the Stone Cold Steve Austin knee braces. <laughs> Come on, that the stunner. The oh, stunner. I, yeah. Harry Giles is a different kind of animal. Yeah, I love so, that man. And, but and like, that's the thing is, like, I think Jonte's got a, such a nice touch that. Even if he never has elite athleticism on his side, mm-hmm. he still has that intrinsic value from being able to place the floor from the five position. Mm-hmm. He's intriguing for sure. Okay. The guy that I'm going to throw out there is you have to know I'm going to throw his name out there because for me, he's a first round talent, but I'm kind of feeling like he's going to go in the early second round. And that's Lewis King to me. Oh. <laughs> he is a guy where, like, is he going to be a starting three in the NBA? Potentially, but like at his floor, I feel like he can develop into a guy who's 
off the bench, giving you depth at the three, where it's like, hey, while our leading guy is off the bench, I'm going to go out there and score you some points. Kind of like what, and I'm going to use this comparison kind of light, because I know with their Hampton Five, he kind of starts out there in Mm -hmm. smaller lineups, but he could... Years down the line, be an Andrew or Andre Iguodala to what he is to the Warriors, where it's like, hey, that's my floor of I'm going to come off the bench, I'm going to get you some good points, I'm going to score for this team while our starters but are resting. The biggest thing for Iguodala isn't the fact that he can score off the bench. He also he, plays defense. He too. plays incredible, yeah. incredible defense. At least when he was fully healthy, and, and you know, like two years ago, prime mm-hmm. Iggy. Um, at least prime Locking Warriors. down LeBron. Yeah, I mean, that, that, it, we saw two Iguodalas. I mean, we saw Philadelphia Iguodala, who was mm-hmm. near a 20-point scorer at night, near All-Star, All-Star level, yep. yeah. Um, and he, he was a part of that, uh, what was it, the the Bynum trade, right? Yeah, he was. Um, that's we also had Denver, Denver Iggy, too. Yeah, that was... He was yeah. a nugget. But, he was. Uh, but, uh, no, I know, I know, but it was because he ended up yeah. going to Philly to yeah. Denver in that trade, but it was like the, the big Iguodala, at least, you know, renaissance that I remember, mm-hmm. where Philly, when he was coming up, and, and that's then, when he was a number one go-to on that team. Yeah. And then obviously Golden State, and you know, from that you know 2014-2017 kind of kind of range. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that Lewis King, he's intriguing because he is young. I mean, he's a freshman coming out. Um, and and it's nothing to you know scoff at thirteen and a half points. Um, in the Pac-12 for a he freshman, he twenty. It, it, it is something that's interesting. Yeah, he is he is twenty. Um, and he's bigger too, six seven. I mean, he's an interesting prospect, and I don't think he should be thirty six like. Tankathon has him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had him in, in our 6.0, or was it 5.0? Yeah, um, you had him end of the first round. Yeah. I had him a little bit higher. because And I still haven't put him in my first round because yeah. I'm just holding out a grunge against Ricky <laughs> at this point. I, I think he's he's a guy that's going to be taking a shot at in the first round. I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to be a steal because I don't, I'm not in love with his talent. I think that being 6'7 in college and having a little bit of speed is really helping him. Um, but I don't think his he's got NBA quickness. I don't think he's got elite quickness and i don't think he has elite length um so i think he might he might end up being a good bench player mm-hmm. for sure but i don't think he's really screaming to me you know steal because you know he might he might be a guy that plays 10 years in the nba for sure and, and can help out a team but i don't think he's ever going to be especially in the first round when i think in first round i'm thinking guys mm-hmm. that can turn into starters i don't think he's ever going to be like that starting guy he can prove me wrong mm-hmm. for sure he's, well, like, he's, he's going to be 21 i think um no he's he just turned 20 basically he just turned 20 that was 20.7 on that, that thing. Uh, i think it was 20.07 no, twenty point oh seven. Okay, so yeah, I mean he's he's a guy that, you know, let's say next year, he he might be similar to the last Oregon Duck we saw in Troy Brown Jr. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, intriguing player, but I, I don't know really what his top. He's level got a better is, shot so. than Troy Brown Jr. Can I just at least give him credit for that? Because Troy <laughs> Brown, does. yeah, um, and, and and Troy Brown was a better passer and better facilitator, correct? Um, which is which was very unique for his size. Yep. Um, and, and King is definitely more of a modern three. Um, I just worry about his top end. I don't think he really mm-hmm. has that crazy jump off the page athleticism. Yeah. I think he's just a good college player because of his length. And that's why for me, where if he goes where I have had him going, like Teens? what nineteen twenty yeah. area, um, then he would, would not be a steal in my mind. For me, it's if, if he hits he that fall, round two. Yeah, if he falls yeah. to that second round, which I've seen in some mock drafts, mm-hmm. then I'm looking at if you get him early in the second. You're getting to me a guy who is nine should go from nineteen to thirty basically should be a first rounder and you're yeah. getting him in the second round a pick that usually is hey let's just throw it at the wall see if it sticks yep who's another guy that either one of you want to bring up I'll throw out one yeah and, uh, I, I I already talked about Nazri I already talked about Goga 
Um, I'll at least go to the second round. There's three guards I want to bring up. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is Maione. Um, he's a six six guard from Yale. Um, he's a he's a very just solid all around basketball player, at least on the offensive end. He's got good handles. He's got good step, start stop going towards the basket. He's got really good length. Um, so he doesn't have this next level quickness, but he does have that length to if he's you know neck and neck with a defender and he's mm-hmm. going up against a smaller point guard, he can you know rise above him and, and still get a shot off of of him. Um, the one thing that I do worry about though is when he was going up against more elite athletes like the LSU and Duke games, he kind of shrunk. Um, yeah. But at least what I saw from him in the Yale clips and and when he was thriving. Very good shooter, very good scorer, can pass, has good handles. I think that, you know, in the second round, he might be a guy that, you know, if those are just two bad games and he has more of a team around mm-hmm. him to help him out, I think he can be definitely a steal because I think he could grow into a starter because he's kind of like that, in some ways, Malcolm Brogdon and the fact that I think that he's just a very solid basketball player. Mm-hmm. And if he goes to a team like the Bucks that are just a solid team that can really help him grow, I think that would be something that would be really huge for him. Um, I think if he's a guy that lands in the right spot, he can be someone that's very interesting in three years. But also, because um, he's, he's he's a little older, he's a junior. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I think it might take him three years to develop, just so he can learn the learn the system, find his way, and then really develop. Because I think his offensive game there, his stroke is one hundred percent there, so he can automatically help out a team mm-hmm. uh, with with bench shooting. But I think he might be a guy that can take his 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 game to a next level, even. And also with him, even if he doesn't go to a spot like you mentioned with the Bucks, even if he early on is that bench type of player that we kind of talked about with Lewis King. Mm-hmm. Maybe that gives him some confidence going up against the second units rather oh, yeah. than the starting units of mm-hmm. the NBA team. I think a team that would intrigue me uh, to take him would be Indiana. Because mm-hmm. um, they, right now, I think Collinson's going to become a free agent. Yes. Um, so they start might looking, and they might start looking to add a, a point guard at some point. Well, um, they might address that in in the first round, but they do have. They've Corey got their Joseph. successor. All right, yeah, they've got Corey Joseph, but they also did draft last year. Fucking names are awful. Thanks, Dave, for bringing up that great, <laughs> great content. Who did they draft last year? I don't know. Google it. I'm looking it up. Um, I, it was got... a point guard, and I literally can't remember his I don't name. Know. He's the third brother. Holiday, little Holiday. Oh yeah, Justin. Yeah, yeah. No, nope. no, not um, Justin Aaron. Holiday. Aaron, Aaron Holiday. Yeah, yeah. Um, totally forgot about UCLA. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean that that's uh, I totally forgot about Aaron Holiday. Um, maybe not. Yeah, he had, he was limited minutes for a large portion of the year. He didn't see a ton of playing time, but when he did, he looked okay. Yeah, I mean he's he comes from a great background, and I really liked him last year too. Yeah. Um, I just I think he, he just, didn't play. He needs to continue to develop. That's all. Yeah. It's just that was their plan. Oh, and Indiana's a horrible job of developing too. I mean, mm-hmm. in some ways, I mean, you look at T.J. Leaf. They drafted him in the top twenty, and I is T.J. Leaf even in the league anymore? <laughs> like, he's where's T.J. Leaf? Where's Henry Ellison? Where are these guys? Mm-hmm. Like, they both teams draft him in the top twenty, and they're Poor like, Detroit. yeah, they're not playing. Um, yeah, they, they fucked up too. But those, those are, I think, if Myoni goes to the right spot where he yeah. can go next to an elite offensive player when healthy in Victor Oladipo and, you know, Demonte Sabonis who could set, like, really good yeah, people. Does. And Miles Turner who can really batter people up. He can get around those, has that length to score as well, and he's a, he's a good shooter. So I think he's someone that could be really interesting if he's put in the right spot. Um, I don't think going to a younger team like the Suns would really help him out. Um, yeah. I think it would be really going to like a veteran team like the Bucks, um, even the Nets in some ways too, um, like like the Pacers. I think he's just got that really all around game that could really help him thrive in the NBA. How about you, Dave? I'm going with one of the absolute favorites in the tourney. I'm going with Chuma. Okay. Chuma, okay, okay. He had a huge tournament before it was absolutely derailed by Dave, a terrible injury. Dave fell in love with that Auburn team. Dude, that <laughs> I, Dave, Charles Dave got me on it. Fucked up knees. I do. <laughs> Dude, okay. Nothing's better than an ACL. Test. I am a long-term <sighs> looker. 
I, I'm going it, and he's going to have the chance to talk to people at the uh, combine or yeah, draft combine coming up. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is you know, where's he at physically? Mm-hmm. His injury looked bad, but at the same time, like I don't know if it's like gonna be a long term. It's a it's a tear in the ACL, but there are different degrees of tears. So depending on that, if he wants to go back to college, fine, I get it. But if he comes out and you know he he falls for whatever reason to again that like twenty seven through thirty five range is mm-hmm. golden because I'm like look, the kid absolutely was electric during the tournament. He was solid throughout the whole year, but really the spotlight he showed up best, and that's mm-hmm. I, I love those guys. It's it's I'm pulling a kings here, and well, I'm like it's... who did good in the tournament this year? I'll take that guy. I'll, well, I'll take that and raise you one, oh. Carson Edwards. Oh, where he is a guy to me. Where <laughs> I feel like didn't he announce he's going back? I feel like he's going to be one. No, you're thinking of Cassius Winston. Yeah, he's supposed it with an E N, Dave. Yeah, um, it'll auto Cassius Winston. I don't think he spelled it. His he parents is, spelled um, it. Coming back. Um, but I don't see any way that Carson Edwards is a steal. I'm just saying with where basically where I see second him round. going, which it's probably going to be middle to late second round, yeah. where he can outplay that middle draft to late value. second round. You think he'll go early too? I think he's probably early second round to middle well, second round. That's where I would. That's where I would take him. And I'm feeling where I think he might fall a little bit because teams might not kind of look at him the same way I am. Where. I've made the player comp of, like, at his best could be, like, what Lou Will is to a team no. off the bench of, like, giving you that offense in the second unit at your point guard position um, and would also be a second-round draft pick like Lou Will. But that's obviously the ceiling for me. Obviously, that's not, like, a super high ceiling. Um, but for a second-round pick, I feel like he's going to be one that slips a little bit and then really outplays where he gets drafted and is a quality uh, n- quality number two. And when I say that, the second unit guy, the guy running your second unit for your team. And if he goes to a veteran team, could be a guy running that second unit in the later of his first contract into a second contract. If, or if, with the if second he team. Was, if he was three inches taller, mm-hmm. he would be Jimmer Fredette. <laughs> that's, that's exactly who that is. I think he's he cannot play Jimmer. defense. I don't think he has the handles and the ability. I mean, he's he's definitely quicker than Jimmer was. He's a, he's a mm-hmm. fast player, um, which which is something I like. And he's he's got a sh- sweet stroke. His he's, biggest he's thing stroke. is consistency. No, his and biggest thing is wh- he's five nine. Uh, I no, think that's, he can get it's over a that. huge thing. I think he can. The get only over player that. that can get over that was Isaiah Thomas for one year. I think. Dang. That to me is not a glaring issue because it's a huge of, issue of he's how. Five of how like well, how players can not, get what? separation. Well, wait till he officially league. gets measured because there's no way he's six one. I, I I also <laughs> disagree with the sports reference six one. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's quite five nine though. He's Kyler Murraying it. He's he's gluing <laughs> heels to his his the bottom of his feet. There's no way he is above six feet tall. I, that I, guy I is agree. my height. Yep. And if I went up against NBA players mm-hmm. with his speed, I would still get the shit rejected out of him. Because <laughs> he is he's just not quick enough yeah. at least getting a shot off. And he doesn't have the smart like he's like a mix of Ruri Hachimura where he does his like the worst shot selection. And I just don't think he's big enough. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't get this whole steal stuff. Yes, he did great in the tournament. Whoop de fucking do well, for me. He did it against that's a, a slow ass well, Virginia team. And that's the thing with me of his biggest negative in my mind is consistency where before the tournament it was are we going to see a consistent Carson Edwards because he can ball out for 40 some points 20 40 20 40 and like before that in the season it was like oh we haven't seen 
a consistently good Carson Edwards throughout. And then in the tournament, we got that consistent Carson Edwards. So for me, maybe it's because of that tourney play, but I feel if he goes late, if he goes like lower mid to late second round, he would be a steal in the NFL or in the NBA draft. Yeah, I think you look at the teams that played great defense in in throughout the whole entire uh, you know, the the best three defenses he went up against um th- this year um would be at least in the regular season mm-hmm. would be Florida State. I got it. Florida State, Ohio State, and Indiana. And he sucked ass in all those games. He had eight turnovers against Florida State, seven turnovers against Indiana, and only nine points in that game. And then I think he had like mm-hmm. eight uh, turnovers against Ohio State as well. Yeah. Um, and you look at the tournament, He yes, he went up against Villanova, who's a very well-coached team who could play defense. He went up against Tennessee, who was a very well-coached team and, and could play great defense. And he went up against Virginia, a very well-coached team and played defense. But tell me the one player that is the, holy shit, look at that great athlete on any of those teams. There is not a great athlete oh, on I, any of those teams that could I guard agree Carson with you. Edwards. And, also and you you're getting to it. the NBA level where these guys are going to be quicker, they're going to mm-hmm. be bigger, they're going to be faster. They have all of that that addition. Even the worst guys on the bench, even mm-hmm. even player number 14 on that bench, unless it's a center, um, has that ability to combine that speed, that weight, and that height mm-hmm. to really bully around Carson Edwards. And yes, he, he can shoot, what was it, 10 and 19 from three. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. That was impressive against Virginia, but he screams college guy to me. I by, like clear. clear I will agree with you on the tourney opponents because Villanova was not the same as the year before. They lost a ton of guys um, and really returned two of their veterans to teach the young if guys. If DiVincenzo was out there for Villanova, he would put the clamps on Carson Edwards. Ooh. I like DiVincenzo, so yeah. And plus, DiVincenzo played out in that tournament. Sean, in he's spitting fire today. Game. I'm loving um, it. Virginia, like, they were, a team that, <laughs> they were a team that almost lost to another 16 seed. I know they won it all, but I'm going to still give them flack for that first half and probably got lucky against Purdue and even Oregon um, on the road to that win. And then Tennessee was also an inconsistent team. So I'll agree with you that their tourney teams are probably not the strongest of guys. Um, is there any final guys? I've got two that I'm going to package together. Um, but is there any that you guys want to mention before we wrap up shop for the first segment? Um, speaking of unathletic guys mm-hmm. who play defense from Virginia, uh, Ty Jerome. Yeah. Uh, the fact that he's 6'5", it's very similar to Mione, uh, just a bigger guard. Is he going to dribble off the back of his heel? Yes. Though? Okay. Um, Ty Jerome, I mean, the fact that he's 22 at the start of the season is going to be concerning. Um, I think that he is just kind of in that same mold as Brogdon. The fact that he's 6'5 is also going to help as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's just as as good as an all-around player as Brogdon was, but this is a much weaker draft than uh, Brogdon was coming into. Um, no, it wasn't. That draft sucked, didn't it? <laughs> I mean, they did have no, no rookie was of the injured, year. Right? Yeah, the, the rookie of the year category was a little short that year, but they've gotten better. It got better. What draft was that? Malcolm Brogdon was... It was 2016. Yep, 2016. Who was number one in that draft? I'm pulling it up right now. He didn't play that year. Was it Fultz? No, it was Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons. Oh, it was Ben Simmons. Ben. Uh, Yeah, because Brandon Ingram was iffy. Jalen Brown. Yeah, not iffy. His rookie year, he wasn't going to play. Yeah, bad. Chris Dunn. Bad. To the T Wolves. Then Buddy Heald. Yeah, was bad. He was bad as Jamal Murray. He was was not great the first year. Marquise Chris. Bad. Yaka Pertle. He was not getting playing time. Thon Maker to the Bucks. Shot taker. Bad. Demontis Sabonis at eleven. Good, but wasn't good his first year. He was he was a, he was a spot up shooter on the OKC Thunder for some reason. I'm just gonna do the next three. Torian Prince to the Jazz. Good. Traded to Atlanta. Trip to the Jazz. Yeah. Um. Then to- Papa Giannis. Bad. 
then the Bulls, Denzel Valentine. Yeah, real bad. Um, so, yeah, that draft class sucked. Um, Ellison was also in that draft, too. I, Henry Ellison can carve but, up the D-League. But Dave Steele, that draft at number 20, Karis LeVert. Hartenstein's in that da, draft, da, right? Da, 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 I think da. so. Hartenstein's going to dominate the NBA one day. That guy is dominating the G League right now. I want you to look up the G League stats for Isaiah Hartenstein. He averages, like, 27 points, 15 boards, and, like, 10 blocks a game. Like, he had a triple-double, I think, on points, rebounds, and blocks. That's in- insane. Um but I would throw a, a, a Ty Jerome. I think he's just he's consistent enough where he's interesting. And then Jalen uh, Jalen Noel, um, mm-hmm. six four, nineteen years old from Washington. I think he's very similar to KPJ, uh, yeah, a, a Kevin Porter Jr. Lower upside for sure, but more polished. Mm-hmm. I think he's got a cleaner shot as well, which is huge for me. Yeah. Um, I think he's just one of those guys that's very offensive, has good handles, can attack the rim, can shoot from the outside, and he's got a cleaner shot than KPJ. And the fact that he's only 19 is something that's very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, he came into the uh, wa- in, into Washington as a freshman, put up 16 points, came back the next year, increased it by point uh, a half a point a game this year. Um, so he's a guy that's extremely interesting to me. He was also playing on a very defensive-minded team. Mm-hmm. So if he's able to take that and really attack in the half court um, on a team that's really you know offensive-oriented, mm-hmm. that would be a, a guy that really sticks out to me as a guy that can really be labeled as a steal. Because if he then has that high motor, can work on his defense— I think he could be a guy that, don't call me crazy here, mm-hmm. maybe could be Jimmy Butler-esque. Oh, he said it. That is so no, one, no one thought Jimmy Butler was going to be Jimmy Butler when, in that draft. So. Those are some big shoes to fill. Also, like, out of second round, like that's almost like saying, oh, he's a four, so he's going to be the next Draymond Green. Like I know Draymond's not on the same caliber as Jimmy Butler, We've but like said that comp so many times about second rounders. Yeah. I know. It's not even funny. It's yep. still like, when we, st- when we say it, it's still like, all right, that's some pretty big shoes to fill. By the way, I know you mentioned Malcolm Brogdon. For those of you who don't know, we do have a Malcolm Brogdon of the Year <laughs> Award, basically. Oh, we do. Uh, that will be in our final mock, mm-hmm. which I'm it? excited for. Oh, it's it's for uh, the second rounder who we think no, is it's be the, the best, it's the it? late first. Oh, okay, it's the late one. I thought. I thought it, it, was, it could open up I to the second round second too. I thought it was he just was an, a second. I think it was just an. Old it's an older guy. player. It's the older player in the draft who's going to power who's going to power through and be a top. Who was our Malcolm Brogdon Award winner this year? I gotta look back. It's, this year, it's Josh Hart. Josh Hart won it. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. I don't know. Last year, I don't even. I don't remember. know who I picked. That's my promise. I don't mm-hmm. know who my prick was. Uh, I don't know who we decided it prick. was. At. My prick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know who my prick so, was. So, can I give it to Nasri? No, no. Okay. So I've got two that I'm gonna package together. My answer is, uh, I'm just gonna copy over Go the ahead. like. Is it a sleeper still? Maybe. Uh, it was on a sleeper video. Darius Baisley. <laughs> sleeper, <laughs> steal, same thing sometimes. Sometimes it is. And uh, he's someone who, he's a fucking mystery box. It could be a boat. Yeah. Like, you know how much we always want one of those. So <laughs> He's got all that business acclimate, too. Yeah. Because he went to... Uh, yeah, he got paid a million dollars to, to, to... New Balance. New Balance, to, and uh, yeah. learned all that business stuff. Yeah, so he's interesting. I mean, the fact that he's that big, has really good handles, mm-hmm, can score. Yeah. I um, can't wait to see him show up at the Combine. Yeah. Please show up at the Combine. Yeah. Darius, please. No, he'd be, he'd be super interesting. I'm going to package two here at the end, yep. one of which I shouldn't bring up because it's just going to get Sean going on a rant that we don't really have time We're for. We're going to hit an hour. Um, but... Ball ball. Ball Ball could be a steal in the first round. The reason why I say that is... At what point is, is he a steal? Well, pick number. That's the thing. Give me the pick if number. If we look at the big board yep. that we did, Dave, you had him in the top five. Yep. I had him just out of the top five at six. Yep. If he, to me, falls out of the top ten, he's a steal. Because to me, he is just inching almost into that top five to where if he falls out of top ten mm-hmm. and you're getting him 
anywhere after that, you're getting a steal. You're getting potentially the top five player in the draft at out of 10. The other guy I'm going to throw in there, and this is going to lead into the next discussion because mm-hmm. we're talking about him next, yeah. is Cam Reddish. Uh. Because when he's on, when he was on top three on our big board, or on my big board, when he was on. You mean in those first three in, games he played yeah, against non-college level competition? And as of now, I think I had him ninth on my last big board. But if he shows what all the Cam Reddish fans think he will be in the NBA, if he becomes that, then he could be a guy that has fallen lower. If falls out of the top five, maybe if he's taken it like 9, 10, 11, and could be that guy that plays up to where it's like, wow, why did Cam Reddish go that far? Oh, that's why, because he had a bad season. Like, we're going to forget about it if he... If we forget about it and he plays really well, could be a steal in the first You could round. also just flip it and just be like, all right, let's look at this draft again and let's see. Oh, Cam Reddish went 5 to Atlanta. Let's see where Sekou Demboya went. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, Sekou Demboya is a good player and Cam Reddish was out of the league in two years. Like, immediately mm-hmm. just be like, oh, let's look at what Cam Reddish did in, in college. Oh, fucking nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's look at Sekou Demboya. He was literally a guy that you just needed to build up. Um, so I think teams, Cam Reddish is just a straight gamble. Mm-hmm. He could, he could, if we did bust, he would be in our bust video too. I mean, like he is just. I feel like steel. both of these He's guys polar, should be in the yeah. bust video no, for polar, sure. I, I don't think. I don't. The reason why I think Bobol is a very like, the injury. Yeah, that's the thing. So I don't really yeah. think you can call him a bust. I mm-hmm. think you could just call him a gamble. You just call him Greg Oden um, at that point. No, no, not I mean, every not injured draft prospect. I mean, is, is it, Greg Oden. It's a big who was injured. Like Greg Oden in. didn't have the same like like level. Like he had one. That was Greg Oden was a brick shithouse also. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying. Like, like, that he man was, was built. If you, if you took all of all of Greg Oden's muscle and then put it into Bull Bull, you'd have two people. True. Like, that's, they would, like, right now, it's like, it's two people in Greg Oden, and, and, and Bull Bull's just like a stick. If you put half of Greg Oden in Bull like you'd get two, you'd get two great prospects. Thing with Bull Bull. He's got to add some weight. Um, yeah, I mean, he's just more of a gamble. I don't think yeah. he's, mm-hmm. he's a, a boss. I don't think, you can't label him a boss because he's just so intriguing he's got so many skills to add he's just a gamble because of his injury issues mm-hmm. cam Reddish can be a bust because he was bad at basketball i mean and that's the thing we're we're can yes it's basketball. a gamble but i mean to me i feel i have this weird feeling that cam Reddish is just going to go to it go to the right team lower than we had him originally and he's just going to play phenomenally in the nba and make us all be like wow we were really doubting him for no reason. Like, oh, he was at Duke. That's why mm-hmm. and he, he was be, playing bad. And he could be Ben McLemore. Oh, he was at Kansas, and he sucks. I, he hope, still sucks. I hope Cam's not Ben McLemore. Um, I all, really hope so. Ben McLemore's got a better-looking shot than him. I'm just saying. It's true. Um, also, I would. I think Jalen Brunson was just all of our picks last year mm-hmm. for the it, Malcolm Brogdon. And we did a pretty, right. pretty good job on that, pretty right, Pretty close. Um, and also, Josh Okogie, shout out. Mm-hmm. I miss yeah. him. I, I, I love <laughs> just, just just shout out. Well, I was looking at mock draft. Sean's and I saw, looking at the lot. And the I saw Josh Kogi popped up. Was that the final? That was my six point oh. Okay. Oh, that was before we got Kooky, right? That's right. Well, I'm looking at oh. it while Sean's looking at it, and I forgot Sean did the colors on yeah. his personal one too. I, I had my two favorite two two favorite guys in our in our live go uh, go twenty nine and thirty. A Kogi and Jalen Brunson. Nice. Yeah. Well, this is where you guys come in. Let us know your steals of the draft down below. In the comment section, and also what kind of uh, justifies a steal in your mind? Is Chandler Hutchinson still a steal? That kid's trash. Ugh, like, 
Let's not talk about Hutch. Kids well, sucks. we might talk about the Bulls in this next segment, but we're going to move on to the cameras. Before we do, let us know your steals down below in the comment section. But guys, let's move on into our next segment, and let's talk about that Cam Reddish that I had mentioned at the end of our steals topic. If you're on YouTube and haven't checked it out, make sure to go check it out. Also, if you have an iTunes account, Apple ID, make sure to rate the Primetime Podcast a five stars on iTunes. It really means the world to us and helps us get into the ears of more people. But guys, we're talking Cam Reddish, and mainly what we're focusing on mm-hmm. is best fits for Cam. And I'm just going to say it now. I'm going to take your joke from you. You can't say a dumpster because I know you guys want to say it. So there, you can't say a dumpster. Team-wise, though, who is the best fit for Cam Reddish? I will say, and Dave talked me into this yesterday, and this is if this team does not win the lottery. Let's <laughs> talk Dave's yesterday? Like, Dave's like, who did we talk about? All of our podcasts blend together. <laughs> Saturday. I haven't seen you for like a week. <laughs> yeah, today is Thursday, so last Saturday. Dave talked me into this. Dave's like, <laughs> was it a text group? Was it a podcast? No, it was the live. It was the live. Okay. We got the telepathy shit going now. <laughs> That's the, how much the We Agree podcast is working. It was the live lotto, and, and he talked me into it. I think Cleveland would be a very interesting fit for, for Cam Reddish. Mm-hmm. I think there's a couple teams that he would fit with, um, but he's in this weird state where it's like you can't go to a team that is, like, too good, but, like, like he can't go to the Boston Celtics and play. He's not going to get enough playing time to, to actually help him develop. Mm-hmm. He can't go to the Washington Wizards because I think they have too many players that they need to put in to actually try to win. Um, yeah. The Knicks are also going to be kind of in that, that range as well. He can't go to the Bulls because that team already has enough starters. Like, he needs to go to a bad, bad team. Um, so that means Cleveland's in there. That means even Phoenix is too, like, good. Uh, mm-hmm. Atlanta's also, like, too good as well. Um, Dave's pointing at it. I'm looking at Cleveland. I'm looking at New Orleans. And I'm looking at Memphis. Or, like, his fits. Yeah. Um, and even then, I'm worried just saying those three teams. Um, no, I, I, I absolutely love the idea of him going to a team like Memphis because low-key, they don't get a ton of media presence. So even if he doesn't hit it out of the gates, it's very similar to, like, Colin Sexton, where could you imagine if Colin Sexton had been drafted, like, by the Knicks or some shit, and it was like, Mm -hmm. man, this kid is getting roasted for how horrible he's shooting. People would have given up on him publicly. And, like, we had that point where we were even, like... because he's in Cleveland, he doesn't... And he had that fantastic finish to the year. I disagree. He would have been great in in New York because they just would have run ISO ball, and he would have been killing it from day one. You know what? Honestly, yeah, that's that's a fair point. (laughs) I forgot that they don't have an offense. Yeah, no, I mean, Colin Sexton would thrive in New York because there's no rules. Might be. Bad example. But, like, in a large market... <laughs> you know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. The, the well, idea like, is in a large market. Let's say he went to Chicago and yeah. was kind of taking bad shots and taking shots yeah. against we'd Zach. Like, we, or we away might from as, Zach. We might as well just play the Chris Dunn. Like, he can't yeah. shoot, but he at least plays defense. Yeah. What, I, what I'll say is, like, it. let's say Chris Dunn stays healthy. Mm-hmm. The Bulls have a decent shot at being a playoff team. And I think, yeah. oh, I yeah. think you guys believe that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what you're going to do is you're going to put out the best players out there. And Cam Reddish isn't consistent enough, I don't think, in college— to mm-hmm. be out on the floor. And, yeah. and obviously he was it was at Duke. He was number three recruit. They're not going to bench Cam Reddish. But mm-hmm. in the NBA, when you're trying to win basketball games, you can bench Cam Reddish. Yeah, you can You and can you, have a top 10 pick come off your bench. You can kill his confidence. And, and I think, you know, Chicago fans aren't too volatile. They're really, you know, fans we want to love rookies. Yeah, we want to love these kids. And, like, you brought up Hutch, and we were a little uh, off-put by Hutch that. Hutch sucks. Valentine sucks. They Valentine suck comes back up. healthy. Yeah, It'll be interesting. Chicago is also suck. a place. But the fact that they're both on the board is the point. It's like... Where I mean, Cam's just buried on the depth chart. Like, well, the, yeah, that's you know. the thing. It's like I, I just think that 
Cam can get so buried easily. Yeah. Because you already have Otto Porter there, right? Yeah, and, and Otto Porter is a lock so at that three. Already he's not or the starting. Or we want to flex. Already yeah. he's not starting. So Correct. That, that means he's going to get like 20 minutes if he goes to Chicago right away. Tops. So, so let's say tops. And then if he continues to play poorly, let's say through 20 games, that's going to be cut down to like 13. He can get hunched. And then, and then if he yeah, if he, if he continues to play poorly, he can get Troy Brown Jr. Oh. Like out of that lineup. Like I just think that he needs to go to a place where they are expecting to be bad. They are expecting to give their young guys minutes. They are looking for anything to stick. And Cam Reddish can fire up, you know, 10 shots a night and see what works for him. And that's why I'm looking at Cleveland. Because Cleveland, yes, they have Kevin uh, Kevin Love. They have Colin Sexton. But mm-hmm. they still need guys out there. And, and, and GD uh, is, is still a very interesting player. But I don't know if he's, like, a guy. I don't know if he's a starter. Yeah. So he's still a guy that I don't think will he might block be a good, Cam Reddish. He might be a great glue guy running the bench unit, yeah, in my I, mind. I think that might be his ideal role. I think I think uh, Ogden's going to stick around um, yeah. in the NBA. But you know, he's a guy that you can pull back minutes from yeah. and, and still give minutes to Cam Reddish. Atlanta's a little iffy too because you look at they're, like Touring no, Prince. They're one of mine that would be a really good fit for him. I, I they got two picks. Disagree. I mean, they have two picks, which is that's big. the only. Yeah, um, like they could take a chance on him, but they still need to give him those minutes. Yep. And Atlanta's weird. Like weirdly enough, if they like if they win the lottery, they get Zion. Mm-hmm. That team could be dangerous. Like Trey Young, the already East. rookie of the year, putting up twenty <laughs> points per game, can pass like crazy. You mm-hmm. have Zion, who could most likely put up eighteen points coming in and, and as a rookie. John Collins can already do that. Kevin Herter's a great shooter. Mm-hmm. Torian Prince is already a, a decent starter in the NBA. Dwayne Dedman's a veteran. Like, and if you add Cam Reddish out there, and this team starts winning, then you add in Amari Spellman, who played pretty well at the end of the last year. Uh, Bazemore as well. I mean, he's still on the team. Yeah, um, surprisingly. So I mean, like there there are guys on this team that can really push down Cam Reddish. Like if mm-hmm. they're like that's the thing is like I know Cleveland's gonna be bad. Yeah, I know New Orleans if they trade away Anthony Davis, they're going to be bad. Yep. Well, and- I know Memphis is just gonna be bad in general. Well, you think you think Memphis is getting a playoff spot in the West? No, no. But so they're gonna be bad. No. Dave's like, I am if back to being the defender of Memphis. Look, look. If your answer is if you're not in the playoffs, you're a bad team. Mm-hmm. Then yes, they would be a bad team. I don't think they're a bad team well, next I'm year. Like, what, I think it's it, you don't think they're depending top on what five. they do with Mike Conley. We'll we'll answer that question. What I'm saying mm-hmm. by bad team is you can let players make mistakes. Oh yeah, because no, you're absolutely. not looking to make the playoffs. Th- this team brought Bruno in. They took a that's, chance on Bruno, and it, so, and it turned out fantastic. Saying, yeah, I'm not saying Memphis so, yeah, is like a absolutely. desolate team that's not going anywhere. I'm just saying like yeah. they are a team ten, that can give Cam Phoenix. Reddish time to make mistakes. Cleveland is a team that can give him time to make mistakes. Yeah. New Orleans, if they trade Anthony Davis, can give him time to make mistakes. Those are the three big teams for him. Atlanta, they're looking to you know really see what they have because I think in two years they can be a team that can you know push for a playoff spot. Um, is Cam Reddish in the Warriors roster lineup though? Like is I'm, he the Andre Iguodala? I mean the uh, thing the thing I go with, and this is yes, a little bit of an older article, but it's from SoaringDownSouth.com. Um, writer is Chris Guest, so I want to give him credit for writing it. He puts at the end of his article because talking about how the Hawks could be potentially the best fit. He says as a lanky, sweet shooting wing um, for the Hawks. This team would have a secondary ball handler and playmaker to go along with the more dominant style of Trey Young. Um, Reddish would be unleashed in Atlanta. What is exactly why? Um, let me get this name wrong. Sam Vicente um, of the Game Theory podcast discussed yeah. with discussed the Hawks as the best potential fit for Reddish on the recent Real GM Radio podcast with Danny Larue. I think is they're actually his pretty good name. Listen. Um, but I mean. 
That to me is also another Don't thing of like listen to a different podcast. You I have mean, no reason to. The thing that I <laughs> look at with Cam Reddish, no other is... podcast exists. <laughs> we are the most valuable. I'm sorry. Podcast. That's I'm like sorry. that's like if, I if we're at a Coke meeting and like Pepsi's like, oh, I mean, Coke vanilla is pretty good. We all, we do know that like vanilla Coke is way better than vanilla Pepsi. But is it orange vanilla Coke? Orange vanilla. I have yet to get a can, <laughs> but I am intrigued it's to sorry. no end. It's okay. I, I, is it like a dreamsicle got a yeah and then I'd be in love I would okay. get a case yeah and like bring I don't drink to the pop and cam right I don't drink pop so hey Atlanta yeah I just the, the headquarters Atlanta. there you go I just feel like that could be a good thing like how you guys were saying like <laughs> if he needs to be a second unit guy <laughs> his first year he can do that in Atlanta and Atlanta unless they get Zion are not going to be a team that's like man we're going to be a first unit guy on that team no I don't I don't Cam Reddish needs to be a first unit guy. Well, yeah. no, I'm saying first time. year could be even if he starts second unit and then goes into the first unit. Like here's nope. the thing. Here's the thing with Atlanta though. I don't think he'll be the first unit right away because they have Prince already. That no, I know. That's why I'm saying I don't think Atlanta would be a good fit for him because mm-hmm. you need to start him because you need to see what you got in him. You need to build up his 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 confidence. His chutzpah. You need to throw throw him out there for. 82 games starting and just be like, see what you can do, kid. We don't well, care if you suck. Exactly. I, I agree. I think well, I think and, he's got to let it run its course because and, we saw him play in a system mm-hmm. and we're all on that end where it's like, we know what you can do right now. Is there a chance that if we give you more freedom and more responsibility mm-hmm. that you will rise to the occasion? And that's what we need to just, just let it roll. Because that's my worry with, like, let's say Jim Boylan. Let's say he goes to the Bulls just again. Like, that's a guy that wants to win games because he's trying to keep his job. Yeah. So if Cam Reddish is hurting the team, goodbye. Mm-hmm. If Lloyd Pierce sees this, this team can make the playoffs, he's going to be like, well, Cam Reddish, if you start hurting your team, because let's say Cam Reddish was not good at Duke last year. I don't know if you looked at any stats. He's been really bad. Um, but if you look I mean, at some good games. A couple. But he hit a game. He is the only player that I think we've ever talked about in the top fifteen that shot under forty percent from the field, under forty mm-hmm. percent from three, under I think seventy percent from the line. I mean, like this like, year, little. <laughs> true. I know. I think, you know he, was, he was a good field goal percent. Uh, actually, yeah, you're right. He actually had a like, solid field. Goal Cam Reddish was just bad. Yeah. Um. So that's the thing is like you give him to a team that can just make, let him make mistakes. Let's see what you can do. Like you can't frank him. You can't. Have him start, pull him out, have him start, pull him out, sit him for two games. You need to just keep him loose, keep him playing, keep him fresh, keep him in the lineup, keep him off ball, keep him on ball. Just let him do anything out there to find him and, and get to him find to himself. have a rhythm. Yeah. <laughs> and I do apologize, Nasir, 48% from the field, 77 from the line. Mm-hmm. You're a much better shooter. I think Cam was decent from the line. But, mm-hmm. like, like he's just a guy that I worry about, like, if he gets – if if he goes out there and performs poorly from the field, shoots under thirty six percent from the field, under thirty four percent from three, and is an under eighty percent shooter from the line like he was, um, and he is out there not able to add something to the team, I feel like he can get benched. Well, and the thing that I personally think with Cam Reddish that I think will be different in the NBA is Duke was a different monster. I know that we all say like, oh, these got these kids. Decided to come together it was their decision to say, "Hey, we're all going to go to Duke." But there's there's a difference in like, "Hey, this is a good idea. Let's go ahead and do it." And then you actually start doing it, and you're like, "Wow, this is not a great idea." Like, I'll give you an example. When I was in college, 
there was a radio show I did where it was like, hey, you and I should do a radio show. Then we actually started doing it. And like two shows in, I'm like, wow, this is a terrible idea because we have no chemistry with each other. Yikes. Like that's exactly like with Duke. I'm not saying they didn't have chemistry with one another, mm-hmm. but it developed into the Zion show. So he's the number one scorer. Then you have R.J. Barrett. Just because of who R.J. Barrett is, he was going to be the second scorer on that team, even though he could pass it out to Cam. And Cam just got relegated to the third third option. And like, okay, you're going to be the 3 and D player. And I feel like he never got enough into a rhythm to be consistent. Where like, I look at the Hawks, and even if he is in the starting lineup, Yes, Trey Young is the dominant ball handler, but Cam Reddish could be the number two on that team. Yep. And then even Trey Young, when he drives in, could kick it out to Cam. I would say Trey Young could kick it out to Cam better than R.J. Barrett did at Duke. I don't disagree well, with that, but why would you why would you kick it out to Cam Reddish for a lower chance shot when you kick it out to Kevin Herter, who I mean, has a much better shot? You can you know dish down low as a handoff. To John Collins. I mean, like there's, there's, I there's just, options. Here's yeah. the thing that I, I just I don't agree with is the fact that Cam Reddish couldn't get in in a like consistent like he wasn't consistent enough that like getting shots and looks I mean, consistent. When enough. he got so he many got twelve shots a game. When he so many got great like, but he, it's he was shooting type, seven and a half threes a game. But like, he was getting looks. It's what kind of shots was he getting, and threes. that's the thing where it's like if it's just like all right, stand on the corner and we'll get it to you. Like he might get twelve a game, but if he they wasn't were standing in the corner, if they, but I'm saying like if they were spaced out shots, maybe he was a guy that maybe the missing link is Cam needs the ball in his hands a little bit more. Well, that's what I'm saying. He needs like, to create you, for himself. If he goes to Atlanta, mm-hmm. where he's where, he's not getting the ball in his hands. You're not taking the ball out of Trey Young's hands because he is the creator, he is the scorer, he is everything for that team. There is no reason to take the ball out of Trey Young's hands to hurt your team to give it to Cam Reddish, who mm-hmm. may be good with the ball in his hands. Uh, Maybe. I want to say ask this, I'm, not, I'm not going to say what I'm going to say. Secondary because ball handler because be Trey Young gets doubled a lot because of his size. So they do need someone who can physically dribble the ball around mm-hmm. on that court because currently they they are desperate for that. And, I and because of Torreen Prince's inability to stay on the court. And I don't know if that's Cam Reddish, though. It, yeah, I, 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 don't I, agree. I don't know if he's the answer, but shot it's that. worth a shot. Because then, then you look at Culver. If it's between, between yeah, Reddish I, and Culver, give me Culver. Yeah, 100%. So, like, I, I just don't see it there. If it's between RJ and Cam, give me RJ. Um, like, yeah. it's, it's just, I don't know if he has enough to help the Hawks in the way that you think he does. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he is. I don't think he knows what he is. I don't know if he is going to be a 29-game scorer. I don't know if he's just going to be a lockdown defender. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's going to be a main ball handler that can you know dish out four assists as a wing. I don't know if he's going to be this all-around god. I don't know if he's going to be out of the league in three years. I don't know what he is, and I think putting him on Atlanta, who knows who they are. Mm-hmm. Atlanta has an identity. They're mm-hmm. trying to build up. They're trying to create something in Atlanta. They have this identity, and he, they're, they're going to make him try to fit a mold. Because you're trying to fit into the players that they have currently, which makes sense. You're trying to build a team up there, right? If you put him into that mold, you're already locking him in. Cleveland does not have a mold. It's the Colin Sexton and, and Kevin Love show right now. You look at Memphis. Mm-hmm. Memphis has Jaron Jackson Jr. and Mike Conley, but they don't have a role. They just fired their head coach. Cleveland just fired their head coach. 
Um, you look at uh, who's the other team I throw out there? New Orleans. Yep. They do have Alvin Gentry mm-hmm. out there, which which will help him grow. They have Drew Holiday out there, which will help him grow. But they're losing the face of their franchise. That is a place that he can step into, and there is no guy that he has to answer to. And if he goes to Atlanta, he has Memphis. to answer to Trey Young. You said Memphis also. I think that might have been Dave, though. No, he, no I threw Memphis. He, okay. he talked talk about, about it. Okay. Because um, they, they don't have a guy right there. Here, they, don't have, they just fired their head coach, so they don't have. he has the ability to take on any identity that he so, wants. I said I, I said I wasn't going to say it, but as you were talking, I'm going to say it anyways, because even though it might come across as a stupid thing to say, <laughs> it's basically for the conversation and for the reaction from people of you mentioned earlier in this segment for the Atlanta Hawks. How does that fit? Or Dave might have said it jokingly of how does it fit the warrior system? Because <laughs> yeah. really the Hawks, that's what they're trying to model. What if the Hawks see – the potential in Trey Young being your Steph Curry, mm-hmm. Kevin Herter being your Clay Thompson like mm-hmm. player, and then Cam Reddish with his shot from the outside and his ability to drive. Don't say it. Don't say it. I'm just gonna say it. The Kevin Durant. I'm not gonna Jesus say that Christ. great of a player, but that role on this team where it's like you look at the Warriors, are they making yes, Kevin Durant is the Top five, top three, top two um, player in the NBA. One of the best mid-range shooters all time. Asterisks next to that. One of the most unguardable shooters all time. Put up twenty-seven points in they, college. They have two, was literally the most dangerous college player. They like, have two the ball handlers years. on that team, and it seems to work. So yeah, you like, can you, you want to pull up his college no, stats? You can, you can go. You can go ahead. That's why I just I I, got, I, got I just people throw right that there. out there. I got it. Let you nibble at it. Well, I'm not nibbling. Even like because I mean that's the thing I thought when you're like well. <laughs> Trey Young's the ball handler. Well, Steph Curry's the main ball handler, but you still got Kevin Durant out there who's a ball handler. You had the option. Like, you got room for more than you, one. You had the option of saying that mm-hmm. and not saying that, and you fucking said it. I mean, I threw dumb. it out there to the universe, to the MVP universe. Kevin Durant was the it's best player in college in 2006 oh, I'm not saying they're the same player. Scored 26 points per game. Grabbed 11 boards. No. Had two blocks, two steals. Here's the thing. Four percent from three. You're taking it and saying that I think Cam Rush is going to beat Kevin Durant. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that what you said earlier about two ball handlers on that team. Oh, I I said that. He said uh, Warriors. I don't think that's a huge problem because obviously the Warriors are making it happen. And yes, I know that different caliber of players, but they're making it happen. Because you've got Kevin Durant and Steph Curry who are both ball handlers. And yes, Steph Curry is selfless, Steph, which plays play, into wait, it. But KD isn't a ball handler. He is a guy who he's can, an ISO. Who's an ISO guy who can, like James Harden and, mm-hmm. and Chris Paul are ball handlers. Like those guys, and, and I know uh, you know Harden's massive ISO guy, but also yeah. he's clearly shown that he has point guard skills. Mm-hmm. Um, when Chris Paul's out, he can be a point guard. Um, so I don't really see Kevin Durant as a ball handler. I think what Dave's saying is you need a guy who can. Step up and run the offense mm-hmm. for your team when Trey Young's getting double teamed. Yeah. When you want to run Trey Young off screens, you need a guy who can handle the ball. LeBron James and let's say Lonzo Ball, those are two ball handlers. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Ingram as well. Those yeah. are two ball handlers. Elite. Right? Kyle Kuzma is not a ball handler just because he scores a lot of points and has the ball in his hands. Um, One of the worst three point shooters in the NBA this year. So I just look at Cam Reddish and I don't think he has the identity. I don't think we can call him a ball handler. I don't think we can fit him into a Kevin Durant like mold. Um, I don't think you can put him into that mold at all. I think he's moldless. So you don't think he can be a guy that could run an offense if you need him to? I don't to. know what he is. And I think you need to mm-hmm. let him figure that out. That's we, what I'm we, saying. we don't want to put caps on players, but at the same time, I don't want to give the idea that he can be 
a top X player in the league mm-hmm. by showing us nothing. Like it, it's like saying Quentin Grimes deserves to be a starting shooting guard on a team in the NBA next year. He's showing me nothing that tells me that. Like yeah. there's there's no reason that I wouldn't I, I would make that assumption because everything I've watched out of you in college was we really overvaluated your talent coming into college mm-hmm. or you had a really rough year, which means you know, physically, yeah, you could build into it. Like, you had decent size, but, like, it just – you didn't show me in the game that you deserve to have that high of a praise. And I think that Cam Rash is – he has a great NBA body. He has – he checks off, you know, all the athletic ticks. But at the same time, when you put him on the court, he just can't finish. Mm-hmm. It's it, it just he, – he doesn't have a complete game yet. He's underperformed shooting. He's underperformed defending at times. Like, he's inconsistent as all get out. Like he he can be a very good defender when he like I said when he's engaged though, and it's it's just he's inconsistent and because of that I can't put him in that category. Yeah, the mm-hmm. only thing that he's got for him is is his three point shoot shooting. Like that's the only thing the camera you could say like he can be successful at. Um, but everything else he's just he he's bad at. Like he's he's he wasn't a plus defender when we thought he could. He has the body to be a plus defender. He has the body to be a guy who can be an all around yeah. wing, but. Hey, having the body doesn't mean anything. And, like, Giorgio's Papagiannis had the body to be a center. Um, like, you know, Marquise Chris had the body and athleticism to be a forward. They just they just didn't have the talent. And that just might be the case with Cam Reddish. We fall in love with traits. We fall in love with body. But, like, you need some production to help you out. And that's the thing is, like, I'll give Carson Edwards credit. I bashed him in the last segment saying that he's too small, that, you know, he, he was going up. He only put up those points in, in the tournament because he was going up against teams that uh, benefited his strengths, right? Mm-hmm. But he still produced. I can't look at a single game and say Cam Reddish produced. Yeah. Um, you know, but against, like, top-tier talent. Hey, what, he put up 23 against Stetson? Congrats. Like, I, I look at his one big shot, too, Florida State. If he missed that shot... He would have fallen like five, I, five ranks. I like will, he hit a wide open say, three. I will say this though: he had one game out of against all UNC. three of us in this room, mm-hmm. you were probably the most like hyped after that shot, Sean. Like I'm just gonna throw that. Yeah, because I want I want the kid to succeed. Mm-hmm. I don't want him to suck. And the fact <laughs> yeah. that he hit that three, I was like, Cameron's just turning around. Mm-hmm. He finally got it. You know, Zion's out, RJ's in here, they went to Cam Reddish, he hit the three, he's going to gain his confidence, and he sucks still. He's really bad. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's really the big question for me, and like, I don't the- know if we're just throwing it out there because we can. Is it because he was with RJ and Zion is no. what capped him, or I, I, what gave him the struggles? I mean, if they didn't have those two players on that team, and this was Coach K's offense modeled around Cam Reddish... Yeah, we would have seen something completely different, I think. Mm-hmm. I think we would but have we seen didn't. something completely different, but, I mean, that doesn't give We didn't, and we're not going to ever. Yeah. That's that's the problem. And also the thing, too, like, after that Florida State game, he shot 34% from the field and 31% from three. Like, he wasn't— That's, that's like, his average, you know? He didn't know? turn it around. No, it's worse than his average. Yeah. Like, he became worse after hitting a big shot. Um, I just—I worry about Cam Reddish, and if he was away from Zion, if he w- was away from RJ— like, that would have been interesting. Maybe mm-hmm. he turns into this great player. And that's why I'm like, get him away from anybody who has talent. <laughs> anybody who is, like, a, anywhere near a star in the NBA. Like, the- Kevin Love isn't a star anymore. Colin Sexton's a very intriguing prospect. I don't know if he's a star or if he's just on a bad team. He needs another year to really prove it to me. But mm-hmm. he was really incredible and really phenomenal at the end of the year. I think that's why those two are such an intriguing pair. pair. Mike Conley has never been an all-star. Probably deserving of one, but he's not going to get one anytime mm-hmm. soon. Jaron Jackson is so raw that I think he would fit next to him. And you look at... um. New Orleans, it's like Drew's there, but outside of that, they have nothing outside of mm-hmm. you know, when they trade AD. Um, Is there anybody who you think so, could trade up for him if he falls past, like, 
six or yeah, no, if he falls past six st- or seven, stupid too. Okay, so you uh, so you it, think a team would be stupid to trade up for him? Yes. I okay. think if you need to tr- you need to trade up to get somebody who has like it. Like mm-hmm. the, you ha- you look at it and you're just like, wow, that guy is an all around great basketball player. Okay, and we were talking about him just being like we we talked you talked about him Ricky, as being a possible steal. You could also yeah. throw him in possible bust as well. Mm-hmm. He is such a question mark, and it's not a good question mark uh, of just like what is he? And I don't see a team. And, and do you have a team in mind that would trade up for him? I, I was honestly just tossed out the hypothetical because as a three, like a lot of teams like wings. Mm-hmm. I know Boston's got the amount of picks, but I don't see a need for Boston to take him. No. Uh, and he's going to get buried immediately. Yep. So I look at, keep going further down. I'm like, Philly could realistically, if they have, they still have draft capital. Big Qu- spotlight to step into. Question. You're stepping into a playoff team, Philadelphia, who's yeah. most likely going to re-sign Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler. If they do that, then they're going to have the eyes on them of, all right, this team needs to make it to the finals because now it's time to complete the process and or at least push towards it. Yeah. Um, so I think Philly's too big of a market, too big of a stage for him to really push towards that. Could Houston, tra- I'm sorry, could Cleveland trade up with their second first-round pick or perhaps Brooklyn with their mm. second Brooklyn maybe, but I don't. I don't like, really. They got seventeen the and twenty-seven. I, like you have Rodion's. Like Brooklyn, Rodion's a six-nine. Uh, so he's a, at the moment a little bit bigger, a little bit longer. Brooklyn Good to me is going to target free agents. That's what I. think. Well, they're getting Kevin Durant. Duh. Well, that's what well they they're think. also going to have to resign D'Lo. Yeah. I, Here, here's the team I'll throw out. Let's say he falls outside of nine, and I know yeah. that's a little bit. If he's like, let's say, yeah. they're at eleven. If I'm the Pistons, maybe the Pistons and the Lakers make a trade. Where the Lakers go, hey, we can get some draft capital from the Pistons. They can get Cam Reddish. We can go down because maybe Tyler Hero is still there where the Pistons are. And we want a shooter for LeBron. And maybe taking Tyler Hero at 11 might be a little bit of a reach in how the draft is playing out. So, like, for me, that's a trade I see where the Pistons could maybe trade up if he goes low enough. I, I could see that Pistons have a need. Um, obviously, drive capital attached or whatever, whatever value. Because I mean, like, he wouldn't have pressure on them. They've already made one Blake's deal between the them too. So you've yeah, got that front office know. relationship. Mm-hmm. At, at that one could work. I don't. Know, I just I think he's just such an interesting prospect that I wonder if mm-hmm. he falls. That somebody's like, I can make that work. The like I can fix it attitude of like you guys don't see what I see in him. I can make this work at this point. Just give me the dra- give me the capital to make it work. The last team I want developing He's like a startup. prospect though is Detroit. Oh, I know. Like, mm-hmm. when was the last? When was the last their guy to de- develop? And even then, Drummond really has. I mean, Dr- Drummond was a, a 11 pick, yeah. and Drummond's a fantastic rebounder. But he's even the best you, rebounder since Dennis Rodman. You always just question, like, I feel like this guy can take another step. Like Drummond's mm-hmm. just yeah. a guy that really hasn't even hit his potential, I and, even though he's been you know an elite. Rebound. I would. I would agree. Um, I think that he's got a lot of game he could grow into, and he, we just haven't seen him take that next step. But I mean, I do like Canard there. I think Canard's been playing really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like how much of that is going to be on their system? How much of that developing his talent? And just the black hole that is Stanley John was Stanley Johnson in their system. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That that's a team that's had some ups and downs, but they've got a great head coach now. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have a better supporting staff. Like if we're to bring looking those. at Detroit, though, this is a playoff team. If they're trading up, why not just take PJ Washington? I mean, why would you? Why would you take PJ Washington? Like, yeah, Blake. Unless you, unless you think Blake's totally done with all the injuries. No, I'm saying to play the three. PJ Washington. PJ's a four. Cannot play the three. I think PJ can play the three. 
I disagree. I, I he say he's a three. I, he I mean, I say slow. he's a four. I think he's he's just built up physically. I don't, I don't know if he'll have the lateral movement to keep up with threes. Defense. I just he's a mm-hmm. bigger guy. He's like six nine, isn't he? Six, six ten. Six eight. Six nine. I mean, Cam Reddish is also six eight. Six nine. It's not really about the height. I feel like it's I, more about can he defend threes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, think, I think he has that ability. I think we look at him, and he yes, he's a little bit slower, but we also mm-hmm. have to wonder when that injury kicked in for him, uh, when when that you know ankle injury, that foot injury really kicked in yeah. for him. I still think that you know he really didn't tap into his potential enough. And yes, he's a bigger guy, but it's just an NBA body. He doesn't need to get bigger or anything like that. Yeah. He's already got an NBA body. And he, he came in as, what, a, a five-star recruit? I mean, he has athleticism. I think he has enough athleticism to stay, you know, as a three. I, I never looked at him and was like, wow, this guy's getting blown off the blocks, um, at yeah. least defensively. I don't know. That's, that's I, wild. I would not even considered him being a three ever. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm a little taken aback by that. I, I'd have to watch some of his tape to give you an honest answer, but mm-hmm. maybe. Because, I mean, I think at least you look offensively. I mean, he's he, he I can understand where you're saying – you know he's he could be a four. He fits my model of a, if I want to stretch four, who is big, strong, he can still play low, but he also mm-hmm. has the ability to take threes. Like that's that's why I value him so much more as See, a four as a three. And now I have to like reevaluate. Like, I think he's what good are the tools does he have? I think he can. I think he can shoot from the outside. He can shoot from the mid mid range. Um, I, I think that he has the ability to take up his game a, a lot more because when you're playing at Kentucky, you're trying to fit a mold again. Like yeah. you're trying to step in and and produce. This is a guy that took his game up another notch when we look at uh, his freshman to sophomore year. And yeah. he's just trying to fit really the mold for that team. I still look at him as an athlete, and I think there's room to grow for him. Um, I, I think that this, it's not just a guy who is going to be a post player or a guy who's you know going to immediately take the ball from the outside wing and, and drive in. I think he can create it for his own or has okay. that at least ability to develop that. No, that that's a twist. You know who I really like him I've to go about to? This before. No, like development. Never. I've thrown him out as a three. Literally you, never. You know who I'd like him to go to development wise, but I don't think they make a trade up to get him. They won't. San Antonio. Like I look at that Rudy Gay's <laughs> up. Like will they sign Rudy? Like oh, San Antonio no. trade up? Rudy is that? Gay. Is that? Oh, <laughs> fuck that guy. Favorite. <laughs> but I mean, he's a guy. Like not he's a guy. He, that's a team where it's like. Yeah. You talk about development, why? Like the guy who struggled, who has struggled in college. Why not see what Pop can do with him? The only thing is, does he shoot too many threes for the Spurs? They've got the best three pointers in the league. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, Patty they don't Mills. shoot them often. Yeah, Patty Mills shooting threes. No, Brent um, Forbes. Yeah, and Forbes and Bertrands. But I mean, like Demar Derozan's not shooting uh, any threes for them as their main guy. He's they no could, longer their main guy. They could be a no, team. Well, I mean, LaMarcus. It was, it was always LaMarcus, and next year it's going to be DeJounte Murray. Okay. Mark my words. That's right. DeJounte coming back. Um, but that's a team where it's like Sean mentioned the Pistons in development, and I was like, man, the Spurs could use one, but where they're at at 19. 19. There's no chance he falls out loud. And I don't see a reason for them to trade up. Yeah. I mean, they like wing is one of the things, but also it's like, could you just get a – what could, center at the first pick and then a wing later on with the two first no, rounds that they have? You'd, you'd attack forward, yeah. That, that first spot. either or depending on you who's have there. Hurdle and then you have uh, Bertrand who's a bigger forward. Yeah, or, but if Go if uh, Goga's he's, he's there at nineteen, and then you I would have think about maybe Goga first. I don't think Goga lasts to nineteen though. No, I'm just saying if he is. Yeah, Tankathon has him saying at nineteen right now, going mm-hmm. to the Spurs. So I don't know. I. I think they they've got options. I think that's a team that um, mm-hmm. honestly I've got 
guys ranked way higher on my board who could go there. But To, to put the final kibosh on it, though, yep. who's your one team that is like, this is the best fit for Cam Reddish? I'm going to go with the Atlanta Hawks. Cleveland. Dave, talk to me into it. I, I talked myself into it, Cleveland. <laughs> well, this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think. What's the best fit for Cam Reddish? And also, what is your thought on Cam Reddish? Because like when I see articles about him being the biggest enigma of the draft, mm-hmm. he truly is. Because it's like, what, is he going to be what the Cam Reddish supporters believe he's going to be? Is he going to be what the Cam Reddish haters believe he's going to be? Or is he just going to be somewhere in the middle? Like, nobody knows what to expect from Cam Reddish coming out of this college season. So let us know what you guys think down below in that comment section. Also, I want to throw out a shout-out really quick. I know this wasn't a Hawks best fit, but uh, Benjamin Galloway for the last few weeks has been two best fits for the Hawks, and we talked about the Hawks pretty much uh, a lot in this one. So I wanted to throw out Benjamin a shout-out. But let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. And let's close out the podcast, guys, taking a look at Keldon Johnson. And this is one where I know that it was kind of said that he's a guy that is testing the draft waters. If he doesn't get the projection that he likes, could return to Kentucky. And the reason why we're going to try to answer the question of should he return to Kentucky Mm -hmm. is because right now I pulled up some various draft mock drafts along with our own. And this is where recently where Keldon Johnson is. The big league or the big lead has him at number 19 to the Spurs. Bleacher Report has him at 17 to the Magic. NC Sports has him the highest that I've seen. 13 to the Miami Heat. The only team, the only one to have him in the lottery. Yeah. Tankathon had him at 24 last time I checked to the 76ers. And then in our last one that had him, the he didn't go matter. in our live uh live lotto. But I had him at 18 to the Pacers. Dave had him 22 to the Celtics. Sean had him 20 to the Celtics. So based on all these projections, of course, after the combine, we'll get a better like sitch of where he will be projected. Mm-hmm. In your mind, should Keldon Johnson return to Kentucky? I don't know. It's tough. Like he He's clearly talented, and he is aggressive defensively. But his shooting becomes his detriment. It's like he he gets it in his own head, mm-hmm. and his shot quality, as soon as he misses one, you watch it, and it's like his quality of shots, he's like anxious to make that shot happen for himself, and he just starts getting worse and worse, and it's just like I've seen um, Kentucky have, like they actually had to bench him mm-hmm. for like a minute or two, just be like, dude, you gotta breathe, like get yourself down, and I think that's part of the problem, is like he gets in his own head at times, and it just spirals. You know what I would have loved? If if before the season you could just flip Cam Reddish and Keldon Johnson, <laughs> or if they could both come back, but Cam just goes to Kentucky and then Keldon goes to Duke, because Ooh. I think both of those guys would have just played better on those opposite teams. Because mm-hmm. you look at Kentucky and all they're trying to do is get to the bucket and get an easy get 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 a high percentage shot. They're just looking for the most open shot possible. It is not one guy doing it consistently. It's you know it's hero some games. It's PJ Washington some games. It was Kelton in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. They were always looking yeah. for somebody to step up and score. They did not care who was who was scoring. Um, and you know obviously we look at Duke. It was like RJ is going to step up and RJ is going to you know take the ball this possession and Zion's going to get a fast break and he's obviously going to dunk it because he's running past every single person. Um, he's wide open for a dunk. He's leaping over um, people. I mean Cam was obviously a, an afterthought. I think Kelden 
his role when he steps in the NBA won't be an afterthought per se, but he'll be a fourth or fifth option if, you get, if he's a starter. Yeah. Or he will be a guy that he's not a guy who leads the second unit, but he comes in and he spells you know the the, the starters, and he's yep. going to come off the bench. He's going to fit into the starting role at least uh, you know as as a bench player. Like he'll mm-hmm. he'll come in and he'll be like you know what James Ennis is when JJ Redick needs a break. Um, you know he'll be a guy that steps in and or, or Gerald Green when you know one of the one of the guys guys for uh, Houston needs a break. Um, he'll be a guy that steps into the starting lineup when one of the starters needs a break. I don't think he's a guy that can create his own offense. I don't think he's a guy that can lead uh, an offensive unit. But I don't think that means he's not a valuable piece. I think him at the two is a very interesting uh, piece, uh, a very interesting uh, development that he he can grow into uh, in the NBA. Because we don't see a lot of good twos that are just, you know, good shooters. They're just guys that are plug and play, but also can play great defense. Yeah. Like, there's there's no guys that are, like, you know, two, three and D twos. Um, if you're there, a two... There, there's there's only a handful. And, like, the ones mm-hmm. who are good stick around forever, a la Danny Green. Yeah, exactly. I, I see him so much like Danny Green. Um, I don't... He's not, like... You look at the guys that stick around for long. You're either Kyle Korver and J.J. Redick who could shoot the lights out. Channing Frye been um, in that boat before he retired. Well, Channing Frye was a four. Yeah, but I'm just saying. I'm just, I was yeah. talking. I'm, I'm just saying strictly. Tips. Oh, okay, strictly. Tips. Um, yeah, I was about to say. I was like, Channing Frye was like six ten. Yeah, well, he's Kyle Korver's like six seven. Yeah, but he was a two. Six eight. He's he's big. Um, but but I think that's where Kelton. I mean, Kelton's bigger. Kelton's like Kelton's six, six six. Yeah. Um, so I, I just look at him, and I don't think he's really got great athleticism. But I think again, he's kind of like a, a Gary Harris ish, a little bit worse. Um, but I think he's kind of similar to Gary Harris. Harris, I think he's never going to be an, an all-star or anything like that. I think he's just going to be a, a consistent star- starter that your team will love, and then other people will be like, oh, this guy's overrated. Because you don't see his consistent efforts out there. You don't see it really show up on the stat line, but I think he's a guy that can develop. And maybe we can see more out of him if mm-hmm. he's a sophomore going into Kentucky, but I don't think that offense is going to change. I think he should just stay in the draft, well, no matter I, where he's projected to go. I'm going to be on the other side. I think he should go back. And mm-hmm. the reason being is the same thing – that we've said about Cam Reddish, I feel like we can say about Kelton Johnson. He's been inconsistent this year, like across the board, where early on he comes out day game one, puts 23 points up against Duke. He's getting to the line like 6 of 10 is not bad. He went 50% from the field. And early on he didn't have that many bad games. Like, yes, against um, VMI. Early on in the what, the Ohio River Valley Showcase, he had a dud game where he didn't even get double digits. But, like, early on he was playing well because you look at our early mock drafts. The 1.0, the lowest that we had him was Sean had him 18 to the Blazers at that point, mm-hmm. where Dave and I had him 11th to the Pelicans. Then at 2. You guys point, are always higher than him. And, I think the highest I had him was, like, 11th. Then at 2. Sean had him go up to 13 to the Hawks. Dave had him stay at 11. For me, he jumped into my 7 just because I liked his fit with the Pelicans at the time. And then at the 3.0 is when he really jumped in where Sean had him at 9 to the Hawks. I had him at 11 to the Heat at that point, and Dave had him at 10. And it's like now you look at our 5.0 – we all had him in that same range of 19, 20, and 22 to where well, I feel kind of like I, like I make this fit. comparison. It's not an exact comparison, but I make it anyways. Kind of like Jonte. If he feels he can come back and up his stock, then come back to college. Why not PJ Washington? Same team. 
He's a good player. There's nothing but, wrong with you, but mm-hmm. if if there's a chance well, that you could be a star next year, but if he feels I think it's a like little he different can... than PJ because PJ was coming back because he felt like he didn't get enough of a shot because Kevin Knox was the guy last year. Yeah, PJ was really mm-hmm. overshadowed. He wasn't getting to a starting fair. role. Kelton was getting a starting. Kelton role. Kelton has a starting role, but you know they diverted to PJ. They diverted he got to Tyler Hero. You know, and that's the thing I wonder about Dude, is like Tyler Hero stepped the next recruiting, the, the next recruiting class for Kentucky coming in isn't exactly a bunch of slouches. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, you know, what the layout of that roster will be, but there's a chance he comes back into a team where he he still isn't, you know, the guy on that team. And I wonder if that, you know, basically just tanks his stock to the point where it's like, well, we know what you are, and you're not going to get any better opportunities. Kentucky's yeah. got the third-ranked class on yeah. 24-7 yeah, they, they, sports. They're fairly good. I would like to just see him join the league. I don't think he's ever going to become a better athlete. I don't think he's ever going to become like a dynamic scorer that's scoring 20 points a game in college or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I don't ever see his top being uh, a top-10 player, and I had him at 9 uh, at the Hawks because I thought that his fit at the 3 would have been good because— Again, I saw him fitting into that four or five starter, yeah. mm-hmm. and yes, that at nine you're like, well, why the hell are you guys? Why are you taking that and not a star? Two picks. Um, that was the Mavs pick too. What was it? That was the Mavs well, yeah, pick two too. Pick, you yeah. have two picks there, and then but also you're getting a guy that I think can stay in the league for like ten years and, mm-hmm. and, and still yeah. be in your lineup, and he provides something different than her. I mean, he provides you know shooting from the outside, but he also provides great defense. Her is good. Good defense. Her is um, a good defender. Um, I, I just I look at that and I thought that was a really good fit at that time. Yeah. Um, no, and I think if he puts in work, he. Can become a really good player, but I don't think it's like work to be, uh, you know, a better athlete or you know, developing more moves to the basket. I don't think he's that type of player. I don't think he's ever like a number one guy or will be mm-hmm. a number one guy or a part of a big three. I think he's a guy that, like a Danny Green, if he puts in the work, he can really stick around in the NBA. And I think that's just what he needs to do: is get into the NBA, learn your system, learn your team, learn where you fit, and just nail and hammer that out. Put yeah, your, you know, heart and soul into practice. Work your ass off and just step up to that next level where you can be a guy that's reliable. Mm-hmm. And if you're reliable every single night in the NBA, you're going to get looks and you're going to be promoted when guys don't step up. And that can get you a starting role. And if you're a starter in the NBA, I mean, let's look at Malcolm Brogdon. It's like, oh, this guy has so much potential. Maybe he can lead our offense. Like, Kelton Johnson can be a guy like, well, hey, maybe he can be our, like, fourth scorer. Let's give him, you know, some money and, and really oh, see absolutely. what he can do. So mm-hmm. I think just get in the league. I don't think you're really going to improve your stock that much if you go back. I think he could just be, a, like— and Just that's the thing it. where I feel like, and this is the difference, obviously, between him and Cam Reddish, where Kelton Johnson, I feel like, could be a guy who, if he comes back, mm-hmm. could up his stock into he's a lottery pick. But that could also mean, what, you're jumping from 19 area to, what, 14? 13, 14? It's five spots. Like, is that a huge jump? You just got to get one GM to like you. Exactly. That's all. Um, you just got to get one GM to like you. But, like, with Cam Reddish, the reason why, obviously, no one's saying for him to go back is, although there are negative things to say about him, nobody has him falling out of the lottery. No, no one has him falling out of the top ten, really, um, from mock drafts that I've seen. And the thing that you brought up, Dave, is a good point, is I look at um, the commits and the letters of intent right now. You've got um, Tyrese Maxey who is the 10th national prospect. He's a combo guard. Then you've got three small forwards coming in. in um, I'm going to screw up this name. Um, Cleon Brooks, who is 24th overall. Deontay Allen, who's 108th overall. And then hard commit Khalil Whitkey, who is 8th overall. Jeff Whitkey's brother? Uh, he is not white. Okay. Um, so I'm assuming they're so, not 
brother. I know would have worked. <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming it's Whitty because it's spelled the same way um, as Jeff Whitty. But I mean, um, Khalil Whitty is eighth overall. So it's like three small forwards coming in and a combo guard. If Kelton Johnson comes back, it's like, is that going to be a loaded kind of wing backcourt yeah. to where it's like, mm, maybe I should have just came out. Yeah, I think that that definitely changes my opinion. I, I, was, I was on the fence. I was leaning come out anyway, but now mm-hmm. hearing those commits, I, I would definitely come out. But look, I've got, I've got the comp for you, Ricky, the comp of all comps. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't agree with this one. Tony Snell. Oh, that's a bad comp. I mean, why at, is that a bad comp? At the time coming in, because so larger, I, he's a larger shooting guard. I'm just saying, like, efficient shooter, pick wise, decent defense. I did not like Tony Snell when he was picked. Like now, I know vastly different player than he was as a rookie. Yeah, I did not like Tony Snell coming out. I mean, that's Kelton's, why I look at that and I go. Ugh. The only reason why I don't like it is because he's not. He's not. He's not. He doesn't have the same body as Snell. Snell's like Skeletor out there. Snell's a little bit thinner. Very but, lanky. He's six seven. He's got a, he's got a better wingspan actually. Um, Who Snell? Yeah, yeah. That's what I was saying. Like he's very lanky. But mm-hmm. it, it's still. I think they're fairly like similar. Snell. Snell's got a small forward body. He's just he doesn't have the weight. Yeah, and I think Kelton. I think so they run I think off you just said six seven two two thirteen for Snell. I think Kelton's coming in six six at least two twenty five. I mean he's a bigger guy. He, he's got muscle on him already. He's not coming in as like a, a two eleven. Really? Bag of dicks. He looks bigger than that. <laughs> right there for you, kid. Okay. Pull up a picture of him. You gotta love when he looks Dave way, gets he looks, really cocky. He looks bigger like when than Dave Tony knows Snell, he's right, though. he just lets you have he it. He looks more muscular and filled out than Tony Snell. Um, and that was my point. Um, I just look at like that, and I just I don't think the bodies are, are similar. Um, I don't have to tell you. I mean, because that's that's Tony Snell in college, and that looks. Kind Fairly like similar. Johnson. He got smaller when he got to the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> His head's so small, that's all. But no, I mean, mm-hmm. I honestly, you look at Tony Snell. He's a he's a large two-guard who can go to the three if he has to. He's a good shooter. He's a good mm-hmm. defender. He's a limited man's player. He contributes, you know, any night that he's put out there, he's not a negative on the court once he got off of the Bulls because the Bulls were a well, shit team with a shit and, coaching staff. And that's another thing. Oh, my God, you need to take that away. <laughs> what, what, what's he doing, Dave? It was on Google Images. It was just a weird picture. Okay. A terrible so, picture of Tony Snell. Here's the thing that I want to throw out, though, and this also plays into it, too. Yeah. Um, and, of course, if you ask the player directly, yep. they're going to think that their role should be bigger oh, always. than it is. Always. And with Kelton Johnson, the question that you also play into this is, at the next level, what is his role going to be? If he comes back, is he a guy that can play himself into lottery projection and people think, all right, he's going to be a starter for my team? Or even if he does come back, will teams always look at him as kind of like, I'll take the Tony Snell and kind of raise it this way. Tony Snell, to me, is not going to be the number one on your team, not the number two. He's going to be, if he's a starter, he's a complement to the stars that you have in that starting lineup. But even still, he could be a guy in some teams that comes off the bench and helps the second unit. Like, is that what Keldon Johnson is going to be, even if he comes back for a sophomore year? That's why I said he's just worse Gary Harris. I don't think think he's going to be crazy, like, jumping off the pages, Mm -hmm. becoming this, like, Go-to scorer with Do you think he scores usage. 16 points a game in the NBA? I wouldn't rule it out. 
I think it depends on where he goes to. He averaged yeah. 13 and a half in college. Yeah, I, I mean, and that's with two that's other primary career, scores. I think it's just like career basically. high. Um, but I, I wouldn't write it out necessarily because yeah. I mean, if he's in an offense that you know, it, it's if he's it's the guy, it's no more like three centric focus. Like, okay. Let's say like you know the Denver Nuggets where it's just all passing and, and, and shooting. Like, can't all be the Denver Nuggets. No, gotcha. I mean, you could, have such high standards. We can see we can see how the NBA is showing and developing. Denver. Like it's not yeah. going to start going to like two ball now. It's it's still going to go to three ball. High percentage um, twos. So I, I wouldn't be shocked though Making if this a is a team, like if, if he goes to a team that you know passes the ball around like let's say the Bucks. Um, I, I think that he could possibly put up sixteen a night because he he is a good shooter. Um, I I just think the biggest concern for me it would just be going back. You just you might just be wasting a year of making money. Like I don't think you're gonna massively raise your yeah. stock that much. Where mm-hmm. you know if you go 24 to Philadelphia like Tankathon has them, or you know going uh, 16 to uh, the 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 Magic, like I don't think that's gonna kill your stock at all. Um, yeah, no, I, I actually I think that's like I, I, like you're not gonna raise it that much. So mm-hmm. just come out now, make the money, and get into the NBA system. I'm yeah, with you. And I mean the thing that even with him coming back, and this goes back to what Dave asked of like who else is coming in. With the players coming in, first off, if he comes back, do we have a Duke situation of like, um, I can't remember if this was on the podcast or in between segments. It was not. um, Where Duke had a decommit, Boogie decommitted because of Trey Young coming back. Mm -hmm. Well, we assume. That's what we're assuming. But would we have a similar situation in Kentucky? Like, you've got Whitty. He's technically not signed yet. If Kelton Johnson comes back... Is he one player that goes? Nah, I'm good. I'm gonna go somewhere else because now it's a loaded, it's, it's a loaded backcourt, a loaded kind of wing core here. You mm-hmm. already have two signed. Do one of the two wings that signed letters of intent go? Hey, I went out of my letter of intent because I did not intend Kelton Johnson to come back. He could, but I don't think it really matters to Kelton Johnson. Mm-hmm. Like it might matter to Kentucky. It might matter to yeah. John Collins. Well, Barry. I'm saying like if they, even if they don't like. That could hurt Keldon Johnson if there's too many of them to get the ball around. Because if they overshadow Keldon Johnson, that's like great. I came here and my role is less than what it was last year. I doubt that's going to happen. The I mean, thing, well, the I, thing I that I look at is he was so inconsistent to where I looked down the stretch. I remember it was right after my birthday, January nineteenth. He goes off for twenty points against Auburn in a win. And I'm thinking, man, that next big border was that next mock draft, mm-hmm. whichever the two. I'm like, man, I will be clever. I'm putting Kelvin Johnson really high. And then that next game against Mississippi State, yeah. he had nine points. And I was like, well, I'm backing off this one. But and then Kyle like, you Parry look down the stretch. He trusted him, and he still played him. And, and Kelvin Johnson was still young. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're looking at a guy that, you know, he might not have the high upside like these recruits that are coming in, but he knows the system. And he's a guy that Coach K can trust. Came in, started him as a freshman, mm-hmm. and, and played well. I, I don't think you know you can be like, oh, well, he only averaged thirteen and a half points per game and was inconsistent last year as a, a freshman. He's going to be one of the better players from Kentucky because he knows the system, he mm-hmm. knows the game. He's one of the more filled out. He's one of the more at least knowledgeable and veteran players on that team. I don't see a reason why he would not be a starter or lose that starting spot, even if he's not more talented. Because I mean, we've consistently seen like mm-hmm. you know. These great recruits just sit on the bench. I mean, Coach K's benched five stars before. Oh yeah. I mean, he doesn't have a problem with that. So mm-hmm. if you don't know the system, if you haven't put your work in, you're still around. I mean, like, I don't think Kelton Johnson's in like in contention for losing his spot. I just worry that you know he'd miss out on making money in mm-hmm. the NBA. 
um, at least yeah, you know, right away. I don't think he can jump that high. I think mm-hmm. what we've seen out of him is likely similar. You know, best he gets a little bit better with his shot selection. Yeah. Hits a little consistency there. He can maybe get up to 10, but the 10 to 20 jump, mm-hmm. I, I'm not I'm not wasting a year of my time going back to college when I could be mm-hmm. growing as a player in the NBA as a at a much quicker rate. Mm-hmm. Like people always kind of discount to like go back to college and you know polish up your game. You can go to the NBA and polish up your game quicker because it's like because Mo- you're not you're not going to school. You're working yeah. with professional it's trainers. Like how Obama said, I can focus on basketball twenty four seven. Exactly. And the thing I'm kind of leaning now. Early on, I was thinking, hey, come like coming back wouldn't be a bad thing. But now after we looked up who's coming into Kentucky this recruiting class, plus the thing that I know you rip on. Cam Reddish for, I'm going to rip on Keldon Johnson here, down the stretch, had a dud of a game against Alabama. They're not that great of a team. And in the tournament, yes, he balled out against Albertine Christian. But, Dave, what did you say about Albertine Christian? They deserve to what? Not be in the tournament. Yeah. That's what Dave said as we were out to B-dubs. Sounds about watching, right. Sounds um, like something I'd say. Watching Kentucky yeah, blow them out. Dave's like, they don't deserve to be in the tournament. Um, then against Wofford, who I liked Wofford, but – he had nine points in a game where if their big three-point shooter hit three of his 12 threes that game that mm-hmm. he missed, Kentucky's going home. Um, then Houston was probably the first best team that they played in the tournament. I'll give them that. They were a good team. He had a dud. And then he had a good game against Auburn and a loss, but Auburn was an opponent that he had already seen for the third time that year. So it's like I look at down the stretch and there were game the games that he was duds in – were some of the games that they needed him the most, especially like Tennessee at Tennessee on March second when he had seven points in that. And loss. how many shots? Uh, that was that was only nine shots in that's that. Not one. terrible. I, like, I know he's got a lot of like the Houston one. He went three of twelve. Yeah, that's that's yeah. more what I expected. He went three of twelve. Alabama. He went one of seven in that game. He I only mean, finished with four. Cam points. Cam Reddish didn't have a game over thirteen points in the tournament. Mm-hmm. No, it's I'm, like like. I'm not saying that he's worse than Cam Reddish. I'm just. I'm, you, I'm, I don't think you compare the two because I think that they were just in different systems. And the whole point of of Kentucky system was to get open shots. And mm-hmm. I understand you're talking about consistency, but it was just it was just not Keldon Johnson's night. And yes, he might have been missing shots, but it's not as bad as Cam, you know, like uh, Cam Reddish going out and shooting 23 times and making six buckets. I'm not like compare like uh, it's not something where I'm comparing them. I know, but I'm just saying apples. like like the. Kelvin Johnson was inconsistent scoring. He mm-hmm. was not going to put up 20 a night, but he he was going to be like 20, 19, 9, and then 8. But it wasn't a thing where he had a high usage. He wasn't a guy that was looked to every single possession to score. Mm-hmm. It was, if you're open, take the shot. If you're open, if you're not open, pass the ball. It was just, he was working within his offense. Mm-hmm. I think that's all it was. I don't think you can look at Kelvin Johnson and be like, oh, well, we need to see, you know, we needed to see 15 points per game, and then he would have been a top 15 player. You see the talent out there. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just don't think that if he was in a different offensive system, he would have been that much great. I think it, the thing that I th- like about him possibly being at Duke is just him showing off his three-point shooting more. Mm-hmm. And if he was able to show off his three-point shooting more, then he would rise because that's such a valuable trait in the mm-hmm. in, in the uh, NBA right now where he was only taking like three a game in, in Kentucky. I, I agree. Think- we need college trades. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's that's it's that Just simple. I know there's a, I know there's a I know there's the trade portal yeah. uh, that the exists. transfer portal. The transfer said college traits. So yeah. I just went with it. But now I agree. College trades. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like mid season. Hey, mid-season. I'll trade uh, Cam Reddish for Keldon Johnson. Hundred percent would pull the trigger on that. <laughs> any Both fi- teams. Any final thoughts on Keldon Johnson before we wrap this shindig up? I mean, he only had a twenty two point eight usage. Like that's not that high. Like, he wasn't a guy that was consistently looked to it. Well, and I mean, so. we also said down the stretch, like, P.J. Washington, Tyler Hero, balled out towards the end of the year and had a higher, probably had a higher usage, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. down the stretch than a Keldon Johnson coming out early. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think down below in the comment section. Should Kentucky, or should Keldon Johnson go back to Kentucky to improve his draft stock? Should he just, just go to the NBA? I think I talked myself into an agreement to be, to where all of us are saying just go to the NBA, but I could see him coming back money. to up his draft stock because I could just see him being like, yeah, I can up my draft stock, kind of like Jonte Porter wanted to do this year before his injury. Um, but let us know what you guys think down below. Also, make sure to support us on Patreon, patreon.com, backslash Podcast, bronze level tier. Get to join our Discord server. You get access to our MVP podcast a month early before everyone else. You also get a week early access to a graphic conversation, which is some great stuff. Silver tier, you get to help pick podcast topics for all of our podcasts or one of our podcasts each and every month. And then on the gold tier, you get to join a podcast of your choice each and every month. You are at that tier. want to thank you guys for checking us on YouTube. Thank you guys for listening on podcast services around the world. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.